Hey everybody, thanks for joining us for the retrospective, retrospective on the retrospective <laughs> something. Uh, you lost it. There we go. So, the, what the. <laughs> no, we're, no, we're rolling. No, no, no. We are, we're rolling, but the retrospective <laughs> of the retrospective podcast. Maybe, yeah. There you go. Yeah, we're looking back on uh, some of our fondest issues while basically procrastinating and. Just trying to get some time away from all you people. <laughs> That's not true. But anyway, yeah. By the way, <laughs> no, I'm John. We love you. I'm John. We, lo- we, we love you, the few people that stick around. I'm John, and, and joining me is... <laughs> Mike. There we go. All right. And you've, you've, you found us on our sabbatical, so... Uh, what quit, we've, quit stalking us. What are we doing, Mike? We're... Well, we're uh, looking back on the WrestleMania episode. Oh, yeah! Snap to a WrestleMania! Because that one had our big buddy, Mr. Llewellyn Graham. The cream rises to the top. The Graham Cracker <laughs> joined us. I love that you picked... I'm pretty sure that's one I'm not on. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> we would have liked to have you on that episode. Yeah, I guess I was for probably, some reason you were something. I was blowing you off for some reason or another. <laughs> and you regretted it because we had a wonderful chat with Mr. Llewellyn Graham, a former game counselor who uh, we talked about in, what was it, issue 22, 27? That sounds right. Yep, we got to uh, we got to read a bit of him then, and then we got to actually speak with the man and find out what the hell Nintendo Power was like back in the day working for the Nintendo Hotline. And it was fucking paradise. <laughs> it was truly like... Like like Santa's workshop, it was a place where dreams were made. Like you, the Christmas parties were fucking fantastic. <laughs> like they would pick you up in a limousine and get you like the latest consoles free since it's part of your research. <laughs> it's a great name for uh, an '80s metal band, by the way. Limousine. <laughs> Limousine. Limousine. <laughs> Well, that, no, Limbozine is like their uh, their summer reggae. Mm-hmm. Yep, their their summer reggae album. So, so, yeah, this guy he told us about the parties, like the way that they would just get smashed, and the, and like you don't you ruin think, everything. Well, if you're playing games, that you know it would be bad, but the money all was right, so good. All right, all right, let them enjoy the issue. Come on. Yeah, so, and then he uh, talked about a few indiscretions. Mm, okay, well, uh, if it's new to you, you get to discover it, so. Yeah, uh, so enjoy Llewellyn Graham and our terrible WrestleMania voices, <laughs> minus John since he wasn't there, so just me and Ben just hulking out and getting macho with Llewellyn Graham. Uh, <laughs> enjoy. This is your macho Michael King here to tell you that we got a special episode of the Playing With Power podcast. We're looking at issue 35 with my buddy and my co-host Hulk Hoban. Yeah, brother. 
We've been hearing a lot of smack about all these other podcasters who think they know what they're talking about. Chris Hardwick, I say Chris Hardly a podcaster. The RPG show, I say the no show. Is it worth it? Only if it's talking about me. So, we look here and we see where can we find the best issues of Nintendo Power. Right here on the Playing With Power podcast. Ooh, yeah, tell them, brother. What you gonna do when the Playing With Power runs over you? Nothing, because that's all you can do. Hey, what's up, Jabronis? This is the Playing With Power podcast, and as you might could tell, we have the <laughs> Super WrestleMania <laughs> game on the cover for volume 35 from, I think this is April of 1992, and I am your host, Ben, and with me as always is my co-host, Mike. Yo! And again, Playing With Power is an issue-by-issue retrospective about Nintendo Power magazine, and we have a very special guest with us calling from uh, pretty much all the way across the world. This is our first international guest, and our first guest that has actually worked for um, the Gameplay Counselors. So welcome, uh, Llewellyn, to the show. Nintendo Gameplay, this is Llewellyn. How can I help you today? (laughs) Yeah, so I wanted to dig in. Uh, we had talked a little bit before we officially got started here. How did uh, how did you get started uh, working for uh, Nintendo? Well, like almost all the gameplay counselors, I was hired as a temporary agent in about January of 1990. And then after they determined that, you know, you're not a complete drug fiend and that you can <laughs> answer the questions and You're whatnot, a functioning drug fiend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, um, you can handle your high. You can you can handle your high. Um, then <laughs> not, then they, not Charlie they hire Sheen you. level though, right? Hopefully, no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> no Tiger those, Blood. No, no, those those people were made leads. If, if you were Charlie Sheen, oh, okay, leads, I see. Uh, so um, anyway, my my first day actually, they didn't have time to get us into training on the very first day, so they actually had us cleaning controller wires with alcohol on our first day. Interesting. Um, I had actually applied to work at the, as the very first round of gameplay counselors in 1988 and hmm. um, went in and actually I was the only person who came who actually brought um, uh, manuals on how to play the games with them and hmm. the, other, the other applicants were very jealous. But I, I wasn't hired probably because I was a snot-nosed kid and <laughs> was pretty arrogant about my Nintendo prowess. And How old were you when you first applied in 1988? Uh, I, was, I, was, I was 23 in 88 okay. and then when they hired me uh, two years later after I'd been homeless and my wife had left me um, and I had been forced to live in Portland, Oregon, um, <laughs> then I was, I was 25. Oh my God, this was your, this was your pursuit of happiness, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with, yes, this was my pursuit of happiness. And hmm. uh, this, this led to other jobs at Wizards Coast and Microsoft and Nordstrom's and uh, a lot of other, a lot of other great jobs. And then obviously now I work for the government and uh, so have an actual career with Nintendo. Oh, sweet. Sweet. So you were you were obviously a Nintendo fan before uh, you you applied? Oh, sure. I remember um, playing in Seattle in the arcades in the early 80s. There was the big arcade with Ivory's. 
and everybody, I, I still have very clear memories of the first time anyone made it to the pie factory level on um, the, uh, the Mario Brothers game. Um, hmm. That was that was you know, the one that was just released there. I think one eighty one or so. And Kim Jackson always had the lead, but I was always trying to, to get up on him as well and get get those high scores. But no, I've been playing Nintendo games since mm-hmm. um, Radar. You know the the Radar Runner game and mm-hmm. the, the Super Mario Brother or the uh, Donkey Kong games. So, right. yeah. and and you know the fact that they're located in Redmond is it makes it easy as well. Yeah, you're in the area. So was it like a typical um, call center where just like, you know, people in sort of cube, you know, cubicles with head with the headset things on answering well, phone calls or was it different I, than what you normally would expect? Uh, I'm going to direct you right to The Wizard, which I assume you've discussed at some point. The movie? The movie. Come on. The movie. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, that we, we, talk, is, we talk about the clan all the time. Yeah, it is pretty much the way the the way they showed it was pretty much the way it was. You each had your individual cubicle. And this was really before uh, network computers, so we all had our green binders. I, I still have my green binders that pretty much you, you turn to whatever a, page. Could you take a picture and send it to us so we can put it up on the Facebook? <laughs> have, have you been a good boy? Because that's definitely oh. the talking to Santa Claus voice you've got going on there. Yeah. Hey, you're Mike, hey, he you're, you're the bearded guy that delivers, okay? So <laughs> you are my Santa. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Less yeah, too. just don't don't let me forget. I'm happy to take a picture of my Sweet. Um so yeah, it was, you know, pretty much your your typical you had your teams of about ten to fifteen call center employees. There would be uh, a lead, a team lead, and then like a, a deputy team lead. And those are the ones who didn't have to get the phone very much and they would monitor people. Um, then you had um, not everybody, but most people would have like a job that would take them off the floor for a little while, and those were those were bre- those were precious jobs because you, you weren't answering the phone. Mm. Um, and so you know you might be uh, the, the the job that didn't get you anything, but was a popular one was being in charge of the, the library. Guys would come over and go, "Hey, I need to check out Yobanaga's Ambition. I need to check out um, Squoon, for example," which I was like the only person who ever played Squoon. Um, okay, or we got to put a we got to put a pin in that. What was Squoon? Yeah, we're still we, trying to we, figure out what the hell it was based on the the advertisement in the Fun Club. Oh, you, you guys haven't played. We need you, haven't, you haven't played Squoon yet. Um, no. Squoon was this weird game where sometimes you were a destroyer and sometimes you were a, a submarine, and you were just you know this typical left to right scroller where you were trying to destroy the the other one, whether it be a submarine or a destroyer. And there would be little fish that would get in the way and you'd get points for that or whatnot. Sometimes um, people would escape from the submarine and the destroyer would have to pick them up. I don't think it was the destroyer so much it was, it was just the the fishing vessel above you. So um, it's, one of, it's a game you don't know because for lots of good reasons. It's not a very good game. <laughs> it was one of the first and, you know, it... it it makes Duck Hunt look like The Matrix. It's kind of graphic. <laughs> wow. Okay. I, I experienced the same thing like that. I found this uh, place I got to talk about in Ottawa called Caffeine One Up. It's a uh, it's a, just a gamer cafe where you get a coffee and you can just play some Nintendo games. 
all, like video games all the way from the NES to a Steam machine to PlayStation 1, 2, and you got a, a Wii U on the other end. It's mm-hmm. just like a like any game you want and there's like a massive cabinet. And one of them was this game I never heard of in all the times we've been reading these issues called Trog. And it had a caveman on the cover, but it was like one eye, like Leela from Futurama. Mm-hmm. So I put it in and me and my buddy, it was just, you walk around like, it's like a dinosaur themed Pac-Man. <laughs> okay. Let me interrupt you right there and ask you the important question. Um, mm. Did it have the Nintendo seal of quality? Because if it didn't have the gold seal, it was not a licensed product. And I'm sorry, I just can't support you. But if you want to call the <laughs> developer, maybe they can give you some advice. That's so awesome. we would get that. We would get that a lot. Um, you know, does it have the seal of quality on it? And I won't. You know, if you want to do a. Um, so you're talking about like the Tengen games, the Tengen. Yeah, ones? if you want to talk about Tengen, if you want to talk about the, I can't even even end it now, but the the thing you would put your cartridge in and then put the with that game genie the, yeah if you want to talk about the game genie that's a whole podcast by itself um because <laughs> there's a lot of history there and you know we, we get that but anyway so back to your question about what it was like yeah some of the games you could get off the phone would be being a trainer i was a trainer for a while um being in charge of the, checking out the, the library of games and and uh, i was i was we also had um a section that did letters. They would respond to paper letters. That was their correspondence team. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also had some French and Spanish-speaking gameplay counselors who could answer questions when those came in. And then I did the... Um, I was trained in the the hands-free controller, which is the nice way of talking about the... So how the often did you get... Uh, how well, often did you get uh, stumped... And like you didn't have like an answer in your green binder handy. Did that happen? Oh, often that happened no? all the time. No, no, that, that's that's pretty common. Either it was a a question that you knew the answer off the top of your head, which was you hit him on the head three times. How do you defeat him? You jump on his head three times, um, <laughs> or you know you shoot him in the eye with the silver arrow three times. Uh, if you want to know where to go, go up into the left. Um, it doesn't matter what game we're playing; you go up into the left. Um, but you know, when you get stumped, you you'd be like. Um, no, that's really interesting. Hang on, let me just check here. And you check your green binder. After about a year after I was there, we developed something we called ELMO. I can't remember what ELMO stands for, but it basically was a Wikipedia that we used that would have the most common questions on certain games. And so people would get assigned, all right, hey, um, you know, Steve, you need to play this all the way through so you can answer questions and you put them on ELMO and we can share them. So... Um, we didn't realize that that would actually destroy our, our careers in, what was it, 2007, I think, they closed it down. <laughs> um, and, you know, you also might go, well, hang on, let me ask a friend of mine who's played that more recently than I have. And you put him on hold and you look at the next guy and go, have you any idea what this means? And you do that. <laughs> um, so sometimes we have to call the people back. But that was, calling somebody back was like once every six months, um, putting them on hold and asking somebody else, and it's like once a day. Hmm. Cool. Did you ever get like uh, impressed by uh, questions that people asked, or or was it mostly kind of like, eh, this is annoying? No, it was pretty annoying. Um, <laughs> you know, we, it, we it, inv- uh, it involved kids. Come on. Well, it didn't always involve kids. Sometimes it, um, it would involve adults who would be asking kid-like questions. Um, so 
you know, we had one guy he called up to the doctor, and SNES was released, and he's trying to play F Zero, and he says, My entire family become nauseous every time we play it on our big screen TV. Is your family susceptible to motion sickness? Yes, yes, we are. Oh, there, there's the problem. Um, <laughs> so when I when I joined, I joined as a gameplay counselor, and there were also customer service reps. And then after a while, they realized that sometimes the customer service reps would be busy, and the gameplay counselors would be dead, and vice versa. So they started a program where you could become a super agent by being cross trained in, in both ways. And so once I became a super agent, I was answering more of the customer service phone calls. And you would get people, they'd call up like, yeah, I can't work the television. Uh, my Nintendo won't, won't show up. Like, well, okay, let's, let's walk you through it. Um, you know, the first question you always ask is, how is the television getting power? Well, uh, through the coax. <laughs> no, no, you have to plug the power cord into the wall. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Um, so that was not an uncommon question. I, wow. I bet you had a I bet you had a code for them called the twelve o'clock flasher because every <laughs> appliance in their house is always flashing twelve. <laughs> no, we we would just yeah we, 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 I didn't have any special code. Now every um, so you get a call and they want to track what calls are are trending. They want to track what what games are trending in the call center. So they can adjust marketing or not. So you would enter the wrap up code for a certain call that would be you know it's an it's it's a um a wizardry call or it's a call about final fantasy 2 so you'd enter the final fantasy 2 call and then hit the button and that would tell the computer that would tell the phone system what what system what question you were answering not specifically on the game Mm. but specifically on what machine um and you were only allowed to spend less than five percent of your time um, in wrap-up, which is to say not answering a phone call, most of your time you had to be there waiting for a phone call. About 5% of your time could be spent in wrap-up, waiting, trying to figure out something, or going to the bathroom, or whatever. Hmm. Boy, thank God they didn't have those wireless headsets back in the day, or else even the bathroom wouldn't have been your safe haven. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to... Nintendo Power, how can I help you? <laughs> All right, let's keep this clean because I'm going to have friends who are going to listen to this. <laughs> Fair enough. So, speaking of friends, did you make any friends while working there? Have you kept in touch with anybody? Well, um, there's still a few few people I know who are there. I I think they would think of me as a slightly lost acquaintance. Um, and of course, you know, as I mentioned, there was one of my ex girlfriends who works there. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, sometimes when I'm playing a, a Wii U game, I'll see somebody's name, the localization or whatnot, um, and I'll go, oh, I remember that guy. Um, but mostly, no. Um, you know, I, as I mentioned before, did not have good socialization skills, and so burned through uh, a fair number of friends while working there. Um, and, you know, we were all, we were all really well paid for that day, and... Um, you know, we, we would get ragingly drunk at the Christmas parties and, you know, say, and these were blowout. We would rent an entire hotel, uh, ballroom complex. And there would be, um, you know, all you can eat Sunday bar and the whiskey bar was all you could drink. And there would be food and Minoru Arakawa and, you know, game designers, they would bring in stand up arcade machines for us to play and it was you know it was a blowout so, god this is like I, Willy Wonka's factory it, it really 
when they fired me, I really felt like I'd been kicked out of paradise. Um, <laughs> I imagine. Yeah, it, it was. It, it was. It was wonderful, and of course, now it was so long ago that all I remember mm-hmm. is the good stuff. But I was making thirteen bucks an hour, which in nineteen ninety wow. was was really good money. Um, yeah. That's by the way, that's uh, ninety three dollars an hour Canadian for our Canadian friends. Um, <laughs> And all six, then, all six of our Canadian listeners. <laughs> and the week between Christmas and New Year's, which was, of course, Golden Week, that's, you know, the, the big time for us. Um, as a Japanese corporation, they count that week as, as that's up in Japan all holiday. So you you get your holiday pay. So you mm. don't have to come to work. Obviously, at Nintendo, you have to come to work that week. So right. you're getting your holiday pay, you're getting your straight pay, then you're getting uh, you're getting actually time and a half because it should be a holiday. So you're getting two and a half times your holiday pay. That's awesome, it, dude! It I am was, so friggin' jealous. <laughs> it was really awesome. And when I joined there, there was no question or concept of here's the budget for the call center. It was just we have this many calls, we need to pay this many people to answer them. Right. Um, we have a Christmas party. We need to have this much money set aside for Christmas party because this is how many people are going to show up. Um, mm-hmm. And so what got me into trouble is I've never had a job for this long. I was there for two and a half years. I, they hired me in January and they fired me in November of, 2000, of 1991. And I had never had a job for that long. And so at the end of the calendar year, you could cash in your sick and vacation pay. You know, hey, I didn't take a vacation. You can just give me $13 an hour for this, you know, however many 40, 50, 60 hours of vacation pay and your sick pay. So I worked in a very high stress environment for two years and never took a day off. Wow. Um, Man, I'm a, that, so, that, that gets your college taken care of. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're 25. You're saving all your money for college. Absolutely. <laughs> well, no, you're paying off your college. <laughs> right. Oh, no, I actually didn't go to college until I was 35. Oh, okay. Oh. So did you actually save it for college? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no, no. I, yeah, I, I lived this really palatial no, That kept him alive until college. <laughs> yeah, kept me alive until college. No, I actually lived in a, um, a really nice condo in downtown Seattle, the first new condo that had been built. Personal housing that was built in downtown Seattle for like 20 or 30 years. Um, went to the Pike Place Market for breakfast every morning and pretty much lived the life of lived the life of Riley. So nice. Well, that kind of answers my question. I always wondered if a call center was was designed to be like a profit center or if it just sort of started out as, hey, we're getting a lot of phone calls. Let's just hire more people for this. And that's well, kind of what it sounds like, you know. Remember, they were really. Even today, it's still very much a family company. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Minoru Arakawa, he got put in charge of Nintendo of America because he married, um, you know, the uh, the owner's daughter. So that was mm-hmm. his. You know, he, he got he got America. We always joked that if one of us married Arakawa's daughter, who was like like twenty two at the time, that we would get like Colorado. <laughs> so, Nintendo of Massachusetts. Here you go. You married my daughter. You can have Massachusetts now. Um, but no, they very much wanted to take care of us. It was, we were all considered to be, you know, members of the, members of the team, members of the, the family. And remember, this was just a regular 206 telephone number. This was not long, this was long distance, but it was not a 900 number. It was not an 800 number. It was just mm-hmm. a phone call. So if you were lucky enough to be a Nintendo fanatic in the Seattle area, 
you could call us as much as you want for free. And those are the calls that drive us crazy because there's no reason for them not to keep you on the phone as long as possible. But if you know that's you're right. calling from that's Newfoundland, um, that's going to be an expensive call that's back fantastic. today. So, um, but no, there was no thought of making it a, a profit center in any way. We we made so much money. Oh my god, Nintendo mm-hmm. was a license to print money. Even Sega, you know they they kind of kept us honest, but it was there was no thought of them not making us tons of money at any time. <laughs> Interesting. So, did you have any uh, really heavy repeat callers that you remember, or weird people that would continuously call you, call you up? No, I, I don't have any of those because I worked um, uh, four tens. I worked four ten hour days, mm-hmm. so and those kind of floated around a bit. Um, but there were some people who would call pretty regularly. Um, sometimes you get people who. I'm just going to put it out there. Maybe they had the phone number written down next to the phone because they had trouble remembering nine or ten old digits of phone numbers, um, and they would need a little extra help. Um, mm. Also, we had a lot of people who were pretty drunk at the time. So, you know, you get together <laughs> and you're like, oh, Dude, man, I don't have time to figure out how to harvest or make an alliance in Nobunaga. Like, <laughs> just freaking tell me and I'll do it. No, no, no. It's, it's much more like, you know, we're, we're playing Mike Tyson's punch out. I swear to God, I heard that there's a way to make him drop his shorts. What is it? You got to tell me. <laughs> um, so we got is a lot of... To make, is there a way to make the Tetris pieces fall up? We actually did. The whole negative world thing, we didn't believe the negative world thing until somebody was able to show it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we had we had a few regular callers. Again, mostly people who were living in the in the Seattle Tacoma area who it was a free phone call. Hmm. It's did funny you- that you mentioned the negative world because I remember we were we uh, we did a little dip in the past, and we found the Nintendo Fun Club era newsletters. Where yeah. I don't know if it was Louis Reviewy, which come on, tell us, was Louis Reviewy Howard? Uh, okay, if you want to talk about Howard, I still have Howard's nameplate. When he abandoned us and went down to um, uh, Lucas Arts, Arts. Um, yeah, I, I came across Howard um, in Cafe Mario, which really was Cafe Mario. I came across Howard in Cafe Mario one day, and he's looking at this piece of paper, he's holding up the light, he's turning it sideways, he's blowing on it. I'm like, Howard, what are you doing? I got this letter. It's a secret map to the Lucas Ranch. I'm trying to figure it out. Do you have any lemons? I want to rub lemon juice on it. This, this, it's, it's, it's coded. It's, it's, I have to figure out how this works. Um, <laughs> they must have been hazing him or something. That's fantastic. Well, I, I mean, the, the sad thing is that, you know, um, Howard was working the line in the packing. He was just working the packing line. And one of our marketing people was walking by going, that's the goofiest looking guy I've ever seen. He's going to be perfect. He's the face of Nintendo. You, what's your name? Howard Phillips. Come with us. Um, and so Howard had very little gameplay ability as far as I can tell. Um, he was a really nice guy. Um, he just thought that when marketing put him at the face of Nintendo, that he really was like, you know, the game master. Um, and so I think he lasted like less than six months at, at Skywalker. Um, Mm -hmm. and he was not really able to help them develop their games the way they 
had hoped. And, you know, they were doing the um, Maniac Mansion. This was right after Maniac Mansion came out. They were all really what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, working at Nintendo is great. Working at Skywalker Ranch is even better. <laughs> so... Because um, Star Wars. Because <laughs> Star Wars, exactly. Right. So, and that was when there were still not many Star Wars games going around. So the idea that you could help design a game where you could fire, fly an X-Wing or a TIE fighter is like, you know, that's that's the heroin right there that we've all oh, yeah, looked right. So Howard's power... Yeah, LucasArts made so many games that even weren't Star Wars that were great, like Zombies Ain't My Neighbors. Yeah. Uh, what was that? Sky, Sky Troopers or mm-hmm. something where you, uh, you're like the one person who can fight off an alien invasion. Yeah. Uh, like they, they made so many games. Didn't they do yeah. Grim Fandango? Yeah, they did Grim Fandango yeah. and there was an island one that was really good too. Um, but yeah, um, I would say that some unnamed gameplay counselor was probably pulled off the line um and given a list of questions and then told to answer them that's how a lot of these things work and we oh, were you, thankful we're like oh god i don't have to be on the phones excellent so as far as you mean like the gameplay counselor profiles you mean no no i mean you were asking about um the reviewer um, oh the right well the yeah Nintendo. well there was a guy louis reviewee louis reviewee so it's just yeah, like yeah. we we're pretty sure that's Howard, but no, it, it wouldn't have been Howard. Um, Howard, Howard didn't actually. Howard just played games all day, so he didn't. He might he he would play games. He would test games. He would help localize games. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you guys talked about localization at all? A little uh, bit. I think I think we have mentioned yeah. uh, Ted Woolsey when we were talking about Final Fantasy two. We were talking about like the famous Woolseyism, where uh, Tella is attacking. Uh, Edward, but instead of saying you bastard from the Japanese one, he's like, you spoony bard. <laughs> yeah, I really regret Earthbound never came out. That was that was going to be a great, great game. Or Mother is it, it called it. But a lot yeah, of us would... Saw... Oh, yeah. We... Oh, yeah. This is something that pissed us off. We saw several counselors who said like their favorite game was Mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, you cocksuckers, we know it never came <laughs> out here. You got advanced copies. I yeah I had an EEPROM copy that I got from uh, Jane actually Jane Hacker who's in my issue of Nintendo Power which is volume twenty seven for those kids sitting back at home and um, <laughs> beat me to it <laughs> she was she was dating uh, a guy in the research department and so she got an EEPROM copy of Earthbound and it was I mean it wasn't like groundbreaking but it was the idea that you would deliberately put in malaparisms and, and funny things. That was so it so was it translated or did you have to learn Japanese? Um, well, no, they would translate it for you and then you turn it back into English. Um, so you know some of the some of the people in Japan would be pretty good English speakers. So, but you you'd need to literally localize it so that it sounded more like it was American and less like it was a Japanese person speaking. Yeah, because uh, okay. yeah, because it is supposed to take place in like. An American type town, so you think that like whoever designed it, like th- their their dialogue would they have to be very familiar with American uh, terms, you know, like father knows best or uh, just like uh, that, just that culture. And yeah, well, no, but remember that they're they're originally designing it for the Japanese market, and they don't want Americanisms; they want what 
Japanese people think America is and so on. So it's yeah. it's it's a subtle distinction, but. <laughs> But we always are. It's a beautiful was, distinction, which leads to some. Uh, well, it, yeah, that that same attitude got translated in Earthbound too. So, now yeah. you said EEPROM. Can you, uh, for the viewers that may not know what that is, can you uh, describe what that is? Of course. Um, let's say that you. I don't know why you want to do this, but let's say that you got bored one day and you took your car curtain apart, and you know you see your standard green board, electronic board there. So um, they would ship from Japan. Um, little chips, maybe the size of your thumb. And then in the US, we would solder them onto a standard controller board, uh, standard you know, game, game pack board. And then sometimes you'd have to cut a hole in it to make room. And then we would just solder that on there, and so you could play a different game than normal. Oh, so it was that. a region. So the EEPROM was a, a region unlocking chip? No, no, the EEPROM would be the actual game software but they would just send Ooh. us a chip as, a, as opposed to sending us the whole board because you know we have lots of boards here sure huh. so the boards would be the same pretty much except for maybe the size of the hole for where that goes and you just swap out the EEPROM in order to play it yeah, what I about mean, the whole MMC2 MMC3 stuff what do you mean Oh well, well, one is uh, one has the data on it, but the MMC would be the, oh, oh, the graphics capability chip for layering and the ability yeah, I, to go left. <laughs> I, I'm sorry to tell you, gentlemen, but for for questions like that, I'm going to have to refer you to the experts. That's not an area in which I knew anything. So you know, I, I pretty much finished 1,500 games, and that's what I'm known for. I did not get involved in the, <laughs> the research, development, or testing. I, I know that so a lot of games like this, did you wanted do to go into testing, but no, 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 I didn't do anything <laughs> like that. All I did was sit on my ass and, and play Nintendo for 10 hours a day while answering <laughs> questions as slowly as I possibly could. So, right. they had like, so they had blank cartridges there that you could just put the uh, the game chip in. Mm, um, okay. We're getting we're we're drifting far from where I know anything about, but they're not blank cartridges. <laughs> you just take a duck hunt, you cut it open, and then you you slap on, you take out something, and then you put something else in there um, that is a programmable chip. But you know, I, I would not take my word for any of this. <laughs> Don't try us at home, kids. In other words, yeah. Exactly. And and for God's sakes, don't blow on your cartridges to get them to work again. All you're doing is getting moisture on the contacts, which will rust them out. And don't use Q-tips either, because Q-tips will, in fact, get little cotton threads in the contacts, and that will get them worse as well. Take your game to an authorized Nintendo uh, <laughs> retailer or repair center, and they will mail it to us. Or you can buy the Nintendo uh, entertainment system cleaning cartridge which will clean with alcohol. Um, it, that's actually the big change from the NES to the Super NES. When you stick the Super NES cartridge in, it goes clunk. You have to actually give it a really good push. And every time you do that, you scrape the dust off of it, which made them last a lot longer. That's fantastic. I got to, oh, well, you wouldn't be the guy to ask, but I was just wondering, why didn't they have, like, they had top-loading NESs in Japan, so why did they have that whole needless downshifting entry port, which could cause disconnection or 
Like it just um, seemed to make sense to have a stationary injury rather than like having to shift it down. Well, you remember the Rob, right? Um, yes. Guys, okay. <laughs> I remember so, all, all two games for it. Yes, there was the Rob, but there was also the the exercise mat that came with one of the Olympic games, mm-hmm. I think. Okay. Those <laughs> yeah, two the power pad and field map. The power pad. Those two things existed for one reason and one reason only. It wasn't a video game system. See, mm-hmm. it's a toy. It comes with a robot. Because at the time we were releasing it, 87, no one wanted to touch video games because Atari had collapsed only a couple, three years before. Mm-hmm. So they'd all been burned really hard on video game systems. So the mat, which made it an exercise system, and the robot, which made it a toy, um, and also you couldn't see the game cartridge. It was just this green box. So it's not a video game console. It is, in fact... A home entertainment system. Uh, Nintendo so. entertainment system. It's not for video games. So it's just it's exercise. It's, well, it's to keep it's to keep the cartridge out <laughs> of sight. It's all to trick the consumer in marketing, basically. Uh, yeah, you, well, okay, so it, it was just for people. It was just for buyers at uh, large game retailers. It wasn't for the consumer. It was for buyers at game retailers. I got you. So that's how they would stock it in their shelves and everything. Yeah. And then it became popular, and then '88 it did well. '89 it did all. So tell us, what's um, what's like the worst game you remember playing? You mean like in just terrible game? Uh, I mean, some games just made me. During your time as a game counselor, yeah, you knew. (laughs) First one he mentions is Battletoads. Yes. Oh, vindicated. I, I, I will tell you, I am the first person to finish Battletoads in North America. Oh um, my God! Hats off to you. and I'm and I'm assuming that somebody must have finished it in the UK where they designed it. But I was the first person in North America to finish Battletoads, and it was vicious. Um, and it's brutal. That that's brutal. Fighting the evil which came at the end really super hard. Um, the other thing I really remember. Really <laughs> you mean that, you mean there's there's anything past the turbo level? Yeah. <laughs> Um, Batman, where you have that, to that was my final boss. Wall jump, um, having to you jump, and then while you're holding on to the wall, you have to jump again. So you have the triple jump thing going on. That was, yeah. but the thing about the bad games is that they're just not memorable. Um, you know, you mm-hmm. think that let's let's take a look at my issue of Nintendo Power uh, 27, which I just happen to have in front of me here, and you look at the games that they have coming up soon. You know, the Barbie game, the Bucky O'Hare game. Uh, right. The Overlord game, Hook. Um, where in time is Carmen San Diego? Anybody remember? I mean, there's a Where's Waldo game listed here. Um, so that's fair. now. I will tell you that there's one game that we said was going to come out that was announced that they were working on. Ocean was working. On. It was a Twin Peaks video game. <laughs> and oh I I wanted to see uh, that. I really I wanted to see really like wanted. a backwards level or yeah. well, the dream um, level. So <laughs> everything so I, is the dream level. Yeah. I call Ocean up because I can do that because I work very Nintendo. And I say, Hey, you know, I haven't heard anything about Beats game. I'm going from Nintendo, which is checking, uh, which is like lying. It's like, yeah, well, they can't see the show, so you can't see the <laughs> so, um, you know the, the bad funny. games are the ones that don't make anybody anybody. Right. So what's the so you you listed Nobunaga's Ambition as your favorite game? 
mm-hmm. in the issue. Is that still the case as far as uh, you remember for Nintendo days? I'm going to say yes, and certainly that style of game is my favorite, and that's one of the things I really regret with. Um, I don't have, sad but true, I'm still a Nintendo loyalist, but <laughs> um, I don't have a PlayStation, I don't have an Xbox, but I really miss that style of games. You know, your map-based, your empire-building games, your turn-based games. That's really what I like is the turn-based games, and we've really <laughs> moved pretty far from that. Um in just the whole home console, and e- even you know your your, uh, your PC games. There's not a lot of turn-based empire building you, games. They're 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 out there, but they're not really a lot. Of them. You'd probably um, enjoy like this series. Pretty much, I mean, it's made by Koei, which is now Tecmo Koei. They're still making games like this today. They call them uh, Dynasty Warriors Empires, or uh, uh, um, what's the Japanese version? Samurai Warriors, uh, Empires. Yeah. Those Orochi ones Warriors. are pretty much not not just Warriors. It has to be, say Empires on it. That's the that's the tactical <laughs> turn-based one. Uh, well, my the other ones problem, are hack and slash ones. Yeah. yeah. My real problem these days is that I live in the island of Timor, which is off the coast of Australia, and our internet is very very limited here. And it's you can't really buy a CD or DVD based game. It's all Steam. You go to Steam, you download the game. Mm-hmm. I literally physically cannot download any game here. So I'll be <laughs> here for another year. Maybe when I leave, I can, you know, go somewhere else. But mm-hmm. then maybe I want to be start playing World Warships and World of Tanks, which I really enjoy as well. Right. Well, we're thankful that Skype is at least holding out for uh, this interview. We appreciate that. <laughs> That's no problem. Um, so um, should we dig in on the issue? Or, Mike, did you have any additional questions? Uh. I gotta ask about Nobunaga's ambition because we just recently <laughs> did the uh, the taste test, and our pilot episode was featuring Nobunaga's ambition. That was a big mistake. And, yeah. Well, it was a condition for Ben to do the artwork. Yep. It's like I'll chip in, but you got to do Nobunaga's ambition. That was right. And I, and I knew he wasn't doing me a favor. <laughs> yep. Okay. So well, I mean, we I can tell you the game and that music. Okay, I, I can understand if you appreciate the gameplay, but was that music as grating for you as it was for me? <laughs> well, okay, remember, there's 30 or 40 of us playing, right? And so we can't all have the music up at the same time. Also, we're all on the phone at the same time. Now, we did receive, everybody who worked there did receive, um, you know, your, your free NES and a free SNES and a free GameCube and whatnot. Uh, and then you just check games out you want to take home. Um... But rarely did we ever play the games with music up. So I can't really say about the music for Nobunaga's Ambition. <laughs> um, but, you know, 8-bit sound. Maybe you at home would, would try and get the full experience, but we're just playing the game. It's all right. We're just here to learn. Well, you <laughs> so. can, uh, for everybody who's wondering what I'm talking about, we're going to be launching the taste test very soon. And my co-host, Brandon, instead of letting me load the music in, later in post he decided i'm going to play the music on the device i'm recording with so it got it was as loud as possible oh geez because the microphone was being fed directly by the speakers which were right next to each other okay. and it <laughs> that sounds excruciating <laughs> listener discretion is advised lovely uh, before we get to the Nintendo Power issue, I will, uh, about two-thirds of the way, I have one actually relevant story to to something in the issue, which we'll get to when we get to that page. 
But, oh, absolutely. So, please uh, it is, please feel free to pitch in with yeah, uh, stories anytime. anytime. And of course, like, if you're in the background of the WrestleMania the, picture, that would be great. <laughs> uh, no, no, that's... Like, hey, the, I, I'm under Hulk's ass. There we go. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think we're going to be doing that. But why don't we go ahead and take a look at the issue and, and uh, see what okay. volume 35 looks like. Yeah, so we see the inspiration for my introduction. Uh, we're looking at WWF Super WrestleMania, high-impact superstar action, brother, with the Hulkster uh, jumping on, what is this, Macho Man? Is, no, no, this no, is Earthquake. Sandwich never looked like that. That's Earthquake. Thank you. I was wondering. Oh, oh my Gosh. Yeah, it's earthquake. Giant of a man. So Hulk Hogan's doing a leg drop on this guy, which means you basically lay your, you, you kind of do a, you sit down in the air, one of your legs drops over the guy's neck kind of thing. And there's one interesting piece of this photo, which is he is apparently crushing a Super Nintendo controller in his right hand as he's dropping down and it's just exploding everywhere. <laughs> that's a nice. It's like, he's hol- it's like he's holding Thor's lightning or something. Yeah, this is a nice touch. And then my favorite part of the cover is this little uh, star over here that says on the cover, CD-ROM tech update. So, Oh, yeah. Stay Cause, tuned. Because yeah, we, all, we all got to enjoy that CD-ROM upgrade for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> uh, you guys understand that CD-ROM update, upgrade became the PlayStation 1, right? Oh, yeah. yeah we, know, we know about the Nintendo PlayStation. It's been making the yeah. rounds at conventions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, so let's take it in. We've seen this uh, advertisement here. I wonder, I wonder if there was any counselors that were actually trained on the upcoming device, or if they like. No, not until it's released, uh, or not until it's in production. Once it's in production, we get it. But we got the Super NES. I want to say almost a year before it was released, but the CD-ROM hmm. never got that close. Hmm. Yeah, it's probably just in prototyping phase. And obviously, they didn't want to have Philips CDIs here in the office since it was a competitor system at some point. Hey, we're gonna t- we're gonna t- hey we're gonna <laughs> we got all these posters of Zelda and Link, and they're talking, and they only look like they've been done in MS Paint. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on in. So we've seen this uh, advertisement about unmasking the power animal. This is now probably two years old that they're still using. <laughs> it feels like it. So we'll skip on through that, and they have a nice. Uh, Big advertisement, so we're starting to see uh, Nintendo advertising their own stuff inside the magazine now instead of uh, having content. So that's <laughs> lovely. <laughs> so, Llewellyn, did you get to uh, did you get to play around with these Super Scope games? I gotta tell you, the Super Scope was the most awesome thing ever. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't think so, but just having that on your shoulder yeah. and just you know popping oh, it off—it's got a shoulder mount. It's mm-hmm. got a shoulder oh, yeah. mount, an eye scope. Yeah. It's a bazooka. It's good. It, it I, is, like I said it, before, but it, this it's, was letting you know that you know the NES Zapper. That's like a that's like a a, a Magnum forty. It's like a Colt mm-hmm. forty five or a Magnum. This is a freaking bazooka. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and like, you, you realize your game. This led directly to me being unable to vote in the two thousand election for president for anyone but Ralph Nader because <laughs> Senator Lieberman pulled that out as that item out as one of his examples of why video games were dangerous for children. Um, <laughs> the super scope. The super scope. Oh gosh. He actually Pretty pulled out professional making homemade bazookas all over the place. And you know, it's so dangerous that you know people are fucking dangerous to be wandering well, around. Somebody, but, please think of the children. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, now you understand that we can't play those sorts of games today because almost no yeah. one has a cathode ray tube television. So that sort of yeah. game is impossible in the modern age. 
Yeah, pretty yeah. much. You have to use an emulator with a mouse or something now instead of actually... Which is pretty fun. ...using the real thing unless you have an old CRT TV hanging out in your basement or something. Yeah. So, I, I enjoyed playing the, the robot game. What the heck was that robot blasting game? Because it's not here. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot of games that came out from the Super Scope. Yeah, there was, the first boss was like a frog thing, like a, a green bulbous thing. I, I remember playing through the game on the mouse. It was were you Were you high when you played? Because I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Should well. I say how high were you? <laughs> I, I, I do not, I do not uh, engage in the, in the herb. In the herb. Okay. It doesn't grow well up in uh, Ottawa, apparently. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the tundra is not great for growing. That's right. All right, so we've got the... Uh, so that was an advertisement for the uh, Super NES Super Scope 6 game, which is really three games, but they call it six for whatever reason. Because um, there's two modes for each game. There's three modes for one game, and two modes for one game for another game, and then Mole Patrol, which is like whack-a-mole. With a gun, which makes it better. It does. But anyways... Um, so onto our uh, table of contents. Um, we have Captain America and the Avenger, <laughs> because you only get to play Hawkeye. <laughs> TNC two, Thriller Safari, Yoshi for the NES, then Game Boy. We're going to talk about Star Trek, Turn and Burn slash Top Gun, Ultra Golf, Boggle Plus, Mystical Band, and for Super NES, the Adams Family, WWF, Res- Super WrestleMania, Super Smash TV. That's a great lineup right there. Yeah, and then, of course, we have the technology update on CD-ROMs later on. So moving on to the uh, player's pulse. So I had kind of read um, that they, we read in a previous um, issue, that when they get fan mail, they they put it up, they put uh, the, uh, anyone who's who's drawn on their uh, envelope, they, and it looks cool, they'll put up on the wall. Was that was that true? Or was that, was that a lie from Gail? No, no, no. I will. Yeah, we, we we won't talk about Gail Tilden. But um, <laughs> I, I would say that, that yes, in fact, they would put the good art up on the wall, both in the uh, as I said before, the correspondence unit, which would receive questions, and then down in the Nintendo Power. So. Okay. So it was this customer service reps they were answering these mostly? Yes. Well, I okay. mean, gameplay counselors. Um, so and they were considered like elite. They knew how to write English good. Well, because they have like um, people that write in for like the uh, counselor's corner, obviously. And then you also have the player's poll. So they're just like, hey, I'm hanging out at home. Here's a picture of me and my cat playing Nintendo. Mm-hmm. You know? And we wouldn't respond to those. You'd have to ask a specific gameplay question or a, a customer service question. And then we would write back. But if you were just writing in to go, you know, I would love to do this. Like, okay, you're on drugs. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> who did the uh, so who did get to answer these questions? Uh, generally, those would be the um, Nintendo Power editors, Gail and, and her staff. And you know, sometimes they'd farm them out. And again, it's time off the phone. She'd get really excited about that. So, okay, so can you tell us if there was a, a, a different crew that did the classified information, or was it just you, but they figured? We need to, uh, instead of three pages on this, we'll just give it two different names. Um, you know, I really wouldn't be able to answer that specific question. Um, you'd need to find somebody. Because it's classified. Down there. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> certainly not. 
Um, I, I, the agents, I don't think the agent numbers were real at all, but maybe we can get to that when we get to the classified information section. Well, I mean, we're not, actually, they got rid of, they changed the uh, format uh, starting in 92, and they got rid of the agent numbers, they got rid of the questions where they ask them, you know, what's your favorite game, what's your biggest accomplishment, what are your hobbies? Yeah, they killed the profile information. And like- now it's like they actually told people to, like, dress up and, like, comb their hair before they took their picture. Versus previously, you just like, hey, come over here for a second. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Gail yeah. was, was a little too professional for her own good. No, no, right. Put some spit well, and polish on our favorite uh, section. Unfortunately, I think you'll find that there's not a gameplay counselor out there who won't agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's dig in on the uh, players' polls here. The saw section is based around the. Super Nintendo, it says, in pursuit of a Super NES. When we asked you what you would do to get a Super NES, we had no idea just how far you would go. And uh, so here are some of the wacky proposals. I'll start us off. Uh, Jason from Tyson Borough, Matt. Oh, you're not going to read that epic name? Oh, the last name? How would you say Jason that? Destroys Mason. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have thought to pronounce it that way, but it's pretty good. Uh, I mean, you got destroyed in your name. That mm-hmm. that commands respect. No matter what job interview you take, <laughs> that's going to get you an interview. Like, that resume is going to be like, okay, I got to talk to this guy. Do you think he goes and, real deep when he says his last name? <laughs> oh, Tynesboro? Thank you. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how to say it. Massachusetts? Yes. <laughs> okay, so it's, so it's not Missouri? All right. <laughs> We're still learning our states. Forgive us. There's, there's like 16 states with M in them. <laughs> All right. That's neither here nor there, though. So he says, the wildest thing I do is wear my sister's clothes while sitting on top of the house, singing my country tis of thee and having fish sticks in my ears. Something Ugh. tells me that's a regular Tuesday for Jason here. <laughs> Won't the neighbors be surprised? Yes. You know what? I, I doubt they're really surprised. <laughs> Annoyed, mm-hmm. but they'll be like, "Oh, there's Jason again." Well, what are you gonna do about it? He destroyed Mason. Yeah, <laughs> you go talk to him. I'm not gonna say anything. There's no, there's no more Mason in our neighborhood, thanks to him. <laughs> All right, you want to take the next one, Mike? Yeah. Well, we'll follow through by skip by going beside it to get a Super Nintendo. I would walk around the United States dressed up as a chicken, dancing the cha-cha and singing "Yankee Doodle Dandy" by Jamie Overstreet of Mobile, Alabama. So we've got uh, two patriotic kids from uh, Massachusetts and Alabama. And, you know, strangely, the patriotic vibe goes through. Like, like you know, there's a real uh, nationalistic vibe going on in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they actually, Nintendo Power actually illustrated uh, Jamie's uh, offer. So they have an illustration of someone wearing a chicken suit flapping along while in a Super Nintendo runs along in in shoes beside it i'm i'm gonna have to say that i think that he sent that picture you think so i do oh look at the detail on the bottom of the shoe it's an it's a super nes controller yeah that's sick more sad than sick but you know (laughs) cool that would leave like the most awesome footprints in the snow Mm -hmm. i'm just saying it's cool art yeah you don't know so, how, the, how old this person was? They could have been eight when they were sent this in. <laughs> if so, that's some damn good artwork. Or, you know, 34. 
and <laughs> still good artwork, but yes. disappointing, disappointing narrative. Mm-hmm. All right. So the next one says, I would do the most dreaded thing on the planet for a super NES. It hurts us to think about it. I would eat green beans, mushrooms, and the most dreaded vegetables on the planet, Brussels sprouts and broccoli. <laughs> and to which they say, believe it or not, some people like Brussels sprouts and broccoli, not us. <laughs> so, uh, Llewellyn, as our guest, would you like to read the last one by James sure, Saunders? I would be happy to. Um, <clears throat> to get a Super Nintendo Entertainment System, I would swim the Pacific Ocean, build a snowman at the North Pole, go down Angel Falls in a barrel, jump out of a space shuttle in orbit, and yes, that would even be my homework. Nice. Ah. <laughs> Good. And before we uh, we flip the page... We got Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure Contest winner, where a guy actually got a Bill and Ted phone booth mm-hmm. in his room. Well, the yeah. Bill and Ted phone booth. The Bill and Ted phone booth. And uh, we actually uh, covered this a little bit by Googling uh, a Reddit uh, AMA with this guy. And he, t- <laughs> he talked about like having <laughs> sex with it and stuff. Of course he would. <laughs> um but yeah, so they said that the phone booth wouldn't fit into his bedroom door. To remedy the situation, Kenneth's father took out a window, frame and all, and hoisted the booth through the opening. The phone now actually works. So that's not quite true. Oh, they, so, he said so that uh, they didn't actually put a phone in there. It can't, comes with like whatever it comes with in the movie, but um, they just paid like his phone bill for a year, and the phone was like a regular phone off to the side kind of thing. Oh man! I mean, it wouldn't be that much. It wouldn't be that hard to run a line into it. Mm-hmm. But, no, uh, I mean, like then you wouldn't probably wouldn't have room for the sex. So right. And I like. I guess the, his dad was his dad was thinking ahead. He's like, "Listen, he's thirteen. We know what's going to be going on in the next <laughs> five years or so." <laughs> Lovely, and he's got an awesome like '90s uh, t-shirt on there as he's stepping into the booth. So. And then, uh, and then to follow Bob Seeger, we turn the page to Mario gets his day in Miami, where this kid gets a, a proclamation by Mayor Mario. <laughs> Does look like Mario <laughs> for a Nintendo fun day in Miami. Come on, if you're Mi- if you're in Miami, every day is a fun day. What he said, Los Angeles. I see. No, no, no. In Miami. Los Angeles had already done it, and this oh, kid okay. thought it was yeah. I got it. Okay. So Xavier Suarez was the mayor of Miami. And they, I wonder what they did for fun day. Does that mean like the mayor actually like grabs a Nintendo, like plays one game, dies, and he's just like, all right, time to go do adult shit. (laughs) Yeah, they don't see what he did. It just, it gave him a big piece of paper that says proclamation on it. Took a picture with the kid. Yeah. And apparently some guy in a giant Mario costume shows up. With a wicked mustache. I mean, that thing just go. That thing's like it, it got it gained sentience and it's now trying to take over. <laughs> it his is head. just about connected to the sideburns there. <laughs> he looks like he almost looks like Doctor Yang from the mystical uh, nin, from Mystic Adventure of the Ninja. He's almost going Must- for a reverse Lincoln there. <laughs> <laughs> now we see from now we got a letter from Gail Tilden. Doctor Mario cares about you. We've had phone calls from concerned people who've heard stories about players suffering seizures while playing video games. Nintendo wants you to know that video games do not cause epilepsy. People cause epilepsy. Sorry, I was just doing the gun thing. 
<laughs> it's true, though, that some people who have epilepsy may have seizures while looking at flashing lights or patterns like those in television programs or video games. Unfortunately, people might have epilepsy but not know about it. Dr. Mario recommends you visit, consult your physician before playing video games if you have an epileptic condition. Even if you don't, you should check with your doctor to see if any of the following symptoms, altered vision, mental confusion, loss of awareness, loss of awareness of your surroundings, muscle twitching, convulsions, or other involuntary movements. Or in other words, get out of your parents' acid. <laughs> That's mommy and daddy medicine. I, I just want to say that we were ahead of the curve on that because you remember the there was the Simpsons had the episode and there was the Pokemon episode Pokemon about the, the yeah. So Nintendo was well ahead of the curve. Oh yeah. I, I wonder if they came up with the Porygon simply by realizing that they couldn't say Polygon. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> Moving right along. So okay, I got to ask though. I do. I have a legitimate question to ask. So at the top of the player's pulse, they've got this art up here, and it's it's a very distinctive type of art that we've seen from the very beginning of Nintendo Power, where uh-huh. the noses are long and often phallic looking. Um, <laughs> yes. Do you happen to know if the artist of this was U.S. based or Japanese based? Uh, U.S. based. Really? Do you know the guy? Uh, no, no, um, but, um, you know, I, I know he was, uh, he was American-based, um, and if you look at other, um, like, uh, Dungeons & Dragons cartoons from the 70s from Dragon Magazine, they would often have that, that style of things. Hmm. So did that guy work in the office, or they just, like, you know, uh, contracted with them? I know. I never met him. Hmm. Um... But, uh, you know, things like Nestor's Adventures and things, that might be, um, uh, yeah, that, that might be that, Japanese wrong. Yeah, we actually yeah. Um, had um, Howard's stepdaughter on the show, and um, she told us that uh, that was um, done in Japan, the art for Nestor's Adventures. And then she also told us about the, the very last issue or the comic comic that uh, they made for Howard wasn't put in print because it involved Howard going <laughs> driving a golf cart, running over Nestor and be- beating him to death. <laughs> that was um, a yeah, I'm not going to rule that out entirely. <laughs> Just saying, so. if you saw if you saw it or not, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, remember that um, while my job and my life seemed enormously cool to you at Nintendo, I was pretty much the bottom of the ladder. Gameplay counselors were above lit, but not by a lot. <laughs> but you got paid so well. How could that be? Uh, well, we got paid well, but um, it was the, it know, was one of the rare places where a poorly regarded position was actually compensated fairly. But again, that's that's the uh, compared to other people. Everybody else made more money than us. Oh, I see. It's all relative. Yeah. Trickle down economics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, um, that's the Reagan era at work. Okay, so should we move on to the first game featured here? Yeah, I'm tired of staring at Mario's terrifying mustache. Okay, let's move on to Captain America and the Avengers. So the story is... <laughs> where, where apparently they fight the Shredder. <laughs> yeah, the Mandarin uh, takes down Iron Man and Vision right at the bat. And um, so you play as either Captain America or Hawkeye. 
And um, I think you have to... Okay, you can switch back and forth between Cap and Hawkeye at any time or return to a previous location to build up your power. Um, So you go through a number of American cities trying to hunt down um, your fallen friends and uh, beating bad guys up along the way. And it's a platformer from uh, Data East. And I think Captain America can throw his shield. Hawkeye obviously can toss arrows at people. People. Um, I actually had this game for the NES. Have you played this one, guys? I gotta say, actually, I have not played Captain America: New Avengers. I looked through the issue and I've, in fact, played very few of the games because, as I said, they they fired me six months before. So <laughs> usually, didn't play the oh, games. Yeah, we never until... got around to that. What was the uh, what was the reason? If you're okay with sharing that? Oh, I'm uh, no, I'm happy to tell you. But as, as I said, you know, you get into. Um, uh, I didn't take vacation for two years, and so I started dating this girl, and we wanted to be on the same schedule. That's it's pretty reasonable because we were living together, and we were, uh, we wanted to meet more fun. So I switched from a team where the guy was like, "Hey, the one doing a good job, keep it up," to uh, a team where the guy was a, just he was a junior high school PE teacher. And you know, given high five skis to everybody, and if, if we keep our wrap up time below this percentage, I'll shave my head for you guys and that sort of thing. Um, and and my <laughs> if you do if you do this if you do this this constant backbreaking labor, I will do one trivial thing to, for you. Yeah. Um, and so um, uh, my scores went from being you know outstanding pretty much in every area to being pretty bad in every area, um, and somehow. That was assumed to be my fault. Uh, so I transferred to I asked to transfer to another team, which really was like, oh, I've never asked to leave my team before. Anyway, um, and the new guy, the new lead, for whatever reason, he spent an entire month, I think, monitoring just me. Hmm. And um, I was already on probation for telling a blue joke in, uh, when I was uh, <laughs> training people. It wasn't that blue. Come on. Um, Let's hear it. Uh, well, uh, so you take a paper clip and you you unbend it so that it's you know like a wire. Uh, what is that? It's the bionicle that's cubic hair. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty. Cool. And we're gonna edit that out, right, guys? Um, anyway, so <laughs> as as I said, you know, we would get a lot of prank phone calls. The the best, the funniest prank phone calls were when kids would figure out how to work the conference function on their phone. And they would conference Nintendo and Sega together. Oh Jesus! Um, thinking that, that we would hate each other, and we'd start yelling. It would be cool and funny. Um, but so we would get local kids, and they would call up and they would prank phone calls. But you know, mm-hmm. in these situations, obviously, you want to have as many kids hearing it as possible. Mm-hmm. So you'd have the upstairs and the downstairs extensions, and you'd be laughing and giggling. Mm-hmm. And so I had these these kids who called up, and they wanted to prank call me, and I. And I Basically, they wouldn't figure out you had to hang up both lines at the same time. So they kept like, oh, my God, he's not hanging up. He's not letting us hang up. Okay, we have a question. We'll admit it. And so they asked the question. (laughs) Anyway, but then I got got these other kids right before, and this is really probably the reason I was fired, was they wanted to know the size of my genitals. (laughs) And we're supposed to hang up as soon as anybody starts a prank phone. I was like, all right, let's go back. Um, But, you know... The longer you're talking to kids prank calling you, the less time you're spending answering questions on 
um, that no, you can't make the things in Doctor Mario go up; they're only going to come down. Um, so I, I didn't hang up, and I'm like, all right, you got any gameplay questions? Like, no, no, is your penis really big? Um, so after maybe ten minutes, you can you well, won't you? You know, you could have just asked your mom. See, that would have been a much better right way to go. I said, sure, fine, it's big. You got any questions? <laughs> you said your penis is big. But, so that was one of the calls I was monitored on. And uh, oh. considered that maybe I wasn't quite Nintendo material anymore. Mm. Um, oh, my God, because so, they only want small penis people working for them. They only want small penis <laughs> So um, they... This Japanese company. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I don't know that, that was uh, coming. Oh, wow. Um... Mike represents so, the racist portion of our podcast. <laughs> well, that's because he's Canadian. Um, <laughs> I'll stop being racist when Asian people start tipping, okay? It's a deal. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I'll point out that Australians also don't tip. But, um, well, that's because so it's included in the price, right? They, uh, not so much. But anyway, they, oh, uh, they did let me retire for health reasons. Um, so, you know, it's like I, I resigned for health reasons. Um, I see. The, uh, the amusing coder to that is that um, when I went in on my last day of the day, they were going to fire me. Um, my team lead had already removed my name from the check-in roster, mm. and he actually got in trouble for that. It's like, yeah, you know, why were you so mean to Llewellyn? You didn't even have his name on the, the check-in sheet for when he, when he came to work. It's like, no, that was an old check-in sheet. I swear. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, they let me go. And, you know, my, my wife, my wife now, to tell you that it's for the best. And I do make a boatload of money and have a, a pension. And, you know, I live on government housing. And, you know, I, I go to Bali for the weekend. And I would still rather work with them. So what, what, <laughs> uh, what led you to, you work for the Australian government since no, you're no, on an island work- of Australia? No, I work for the U.S. government. I, I joined the State Department, and now I work in different embassies around the world. Hmm. Oh, so you work at an embassy, the American embassy on uh, yes. what, Timor Island? Or? Yes. It's a little country called Timor-Leste. It's the first island, first new country in the 21st century. Uh, they gained their independence in 2008. Hmm. Shit, a brand new country. Hmm. Wow. Yep. So Thank, now, now we learn something new. Hey. Maybe now you can listen to our show so we can see if that shows up in our uh, stats. So then we can see Timor Leste. Boom. Very exciting stuff. Okay, well, we'll do that and see if it shows up. It's only got like a population of what, like 17 people? So <laughs> no, no, it's, it's 1.2 million. 1.2 million, but, you know, only about 10,000 of those have internet access. So. Hmm. If you can only get 5,000 of those people to listen to our show, that would be a big help. Oh, never never stop, Mike. Never stop. Okay. So let's burn through this game here real quick. So you're visiting uh, Tampa, Miami, Columbia, Montgomery. Um, and, uh, I, you know, like What's I said, Mississippi R? What Mississippi R? What do you mean? I'm looking at the map. I see New York, Mississippi Philadelphia, River. Richmond, Charleston, Mississippi R. Mississippi yeah. River. Mississippi River. Okay. There is a river, and, you know, called Mississippi yeah. as well as the state. Okay, so I guess like now we're, you know, then why not just say like New York neighborhood or Philadelphia quarry? I don't because know. Because there's, there's a Mississippi state and a Mississippi river. Mm, indeed. Okay. So, we yeah, we see Captain America's name here uh, that he can, that his uh, shield 
Yeah, you can do a jump, kick, punch. You can push down during a spin jump to batter, to batter foes with the shield or to protect you from acid pools. So does that mean like you can float on your shield? Um, no, you can't float on it, but you can put it underneath you and like just drop down people's heads basically. So you can be what like is Mario. It? Acid pools. So acid I wonder pools? what that means. Like, I don't yeah. remember. Protect did you play this game? Yeah, I had this game. I don't remember the I don't remember the acid pools. I don't know if I made it that far. Maybe you it's just put hard. the shield under you so you jump over an acid geyser. You, the thing is, you don't. Uh, I what I remember, I think it's like you don't um, get your life back when you go to the next stage. Um, so it retains like all the information about like where you were the previous stage, making it rather difficult to make it through the entire game because um, you have to know where like the power-ups are. It's not like optional at any point. It's not like, oh, I'll get to the next stage and I'm good. Like, no, if you get hit in the previous level, like your health just keeps going down until you get your health back up, basically. Oh, like Ninja Turtles. Doesn't matter if you beat the level or not, your health is still pooched. Yeah. Uh, and then we see Hawkeye, who can shoot arrows at a different angle. So I guess Captain can only shoot his shield forward. This guy can shoot arrows uh, at angles, mm -hmm. including straight overhead. But uh, he has a great jumping ability. But unlike Cap, he, can, he can't grab a hold of pipes. <laughs> so well, he, I mean, he's like, got his hand one hands on the on the yeah. bow. <laughs> and you don't have like a a, a grip or a slot or anything nope. to put your band. He has a quiver to hold all his arrows, but nothing to hold his bow. He only does one thing. He does one thing well. Okay, <laughs> give the guy a break. Also, the acid level is New York. Is that wow. for real? <laughs> Does that, do, oh, so you get to go on the Hudson? Okay. Oh. <laughs> Harsh. And then we see the, uh, the vision whose strength is the ability to mimic all organic human functions. Does that mean he poops? <laughs> um, yes. Yes. That's, that's exactly how I read it. <laughs> A pooping robot. Well, he's the second pooping robot. Next, uh, The first one was Hard Man from number three. From <laughs> Mega right. Man 3. Yeah. The robot made the robot made for shitting. Yes. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna start disrespecting the Mega Man series, I am gonna leave. Just, just oh, I, I say there. it with I say it with love, but uh, you look at Hard Man, and he's a robot with a very visible sphincter. Yes, yes, <laughs> he is. No, we we say this with love. We have to we have to mock everything in here, though. That's part. That's part Not of everything. Our, most of everything. <laughs> All right. No, we had like, uh, did you guys, I know I, w I missed it, but you guys just did Zelda 3 last issue. Did you guys like just shower that with praise for like two hours? Uh, yeah. And then <laughs> when, I, when I wasn't arguing with John over something. Oh, okay. I guess I'll find out what that, what that means later. We'll listen to it. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, it was a very fun time. Triforce was very fun. He was telling us like why these, why this game was you know, so engaging and mm -hmm. like, it was just a, like a two hour sloppy love fest for this game. See, okay. So Captain America and the Avengers doesn't rate quite as high as that one, basically. No. And then we see Iron Man, whose occupations are inventor, industrialist, and alcoholic. But they didn't put that one there. Right. I guess, I guess they ran out of space. All right. Was so this before or after his alcoholic storyline? They, you know, they kind of avoided it in uh, other adaptations. They've really only done that in the comics. Yeah, I really thought with Iron Man 2, they would have 
like captured that essence because like it shows him like getting sloppy drunk and everything mm -hmm. but at the end it turns out oh no he's just depressed because he needs alcohol to fight off the infection in his system like that, that's giving him a reason to drink mm. i mean in the storyline he drank because for all of his supposed strengths he still had like a major internal weakness mm -hmm. but no they they justified in the story because i guess robert downey jr is just like listen that's cutting a little close and you know that's why we wanted him to be iron man so that he could take that addiction and put it into his performance, but no. Well, I remember they put that in the initial press release when they first announced like who was going to be playing Iron Man. They were like, "Oh, well, we know Iron Man. Uh, you know, he had alcohol problems, and who better know about those problems than Robert Downey Jr., our star?" And I was like, "Oh, I guess so." <laughs> and then they just decided, "What are we going to do with it?" Nothing. Nothing. Perfect. It's all worked out for the uh, best. So. Uh, we start off in Tampa with black holes. And, uh, like, what the hell is this Doppler effect we're looking at? It says, black holes appear along the routes between cities. Inside the event horizon, you will find crushing enemies like Fireman and Dynamite Napalm. So, what, we're fighting Mega Man villains? Did we fall into a Capcom universe? I think it hurt us on the other page when we were talking about this is, it. This is how Marvel versus Capcom got started. Yes. Yes, we fell, they fell in, we fell into the Capcom mm. verse, fought some Mega Man enemies, mm. and then we discovered a whole new universe. So I don't want to go through. I mean, we've got uh, a lot of covers to go through here, so I don't want to dig too much too deep into this. This looks um, like Zelda. We see like rupees and hearts and bombs. A little bit as the power ups. Uh, are those bombs you actually picking up the 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 purple orbs? I don't know. I, I don't think Captain America has time to pick up jawbreakers, but. Those are maybe key they're, go, maybe they're going bowling. It's a key crystal. I like the idea that I like the idea that they're going to go bowling after. You need the key crystal in order to exit the level. Apparently. That's oh my are. gosh! So yeah, it's a tough game. Um, so they got some enemies. I'm looking at uh, the bottom of page ten where it says domestic trouble. Sometimes domesto fires homing missiles. I just like the guy's Where's name. Where's domesto? Domesto. Like, is that like a, is that like the Marvel supervillain that walks around with a wife beater and in a whiskey bottle and just starts smacking women all around? <laughs> Domesto. Jeez. <laughs> oh, okay. Domesto. His key. His catchphrase: Make my goddamn sandwich. Lovely. Uh, there's an interesting um, uh, mechanic in Montgomery over here, where apparently you it, the lights turn on and off, and you can switch them on and off by kicking them with Captain America. So that's Ugh. interesting, I guess, and somewhat annoying, from what I recall. I heard of the clapper, but this is ridiculous. It's the kicker. <laughs> the kick, kick on. Kick off. The kick master is like, hey, I could, I could use that. I could do that for you. Oh, Llewellyn, did you get to play Kickmaster? Uh, no, I never got to play Kickmaster. One of the great regrets of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good news is the ROMs are very small, so even on your island, it would only take about two hours to download. Mm. <laughs> this save yourself the time is not a good game. <laughs> All right, it's forty. It's forty-five kilobytes, not well spent. So, moving on to the end of the article here in Charleston, apparently you f finally face uh, a real bad guy. You face the wizard, who've actually heard of from the comics. Then it says, uh, it's got a nice uh, art in here, insert, where he's yelling, no one can stop me. And um, so he tries to uh, kill you in Charleston, apparently. And then... He, tr he tries to fight you with white power. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work. 
And then on to the very end, you finally fight uh, the Mandarin in New York City. And, um, yeah. And, of course, uh, then it tells you to go west and doesn't tell you about the other half of the game, pretty much. And we get to see Ultron, Crossbones. I think that's it. I can't tell what's yeah, in the screenshots. Yep, and here we see the prequel, the cheap, the cheap prequel to Donkey Kong Country. Mm-hmm. Thrilla's Safari, which is a sequel to Town and Country um, TNC Surf Designs. And uh, this is TNC 2, Thrilla's Safari. So they got rid of the rest of the characters. They got rid of all the, uh, the people, basically. And they just had the ape um, from the first game. And he is uh, basically doing a side-scrolling um, excite bike over obstacles. Except what he's on a, I, uh, on a on a <laughs> skateboard. I, I got, that's a freaking big skateboard, first off. Second of all, what is up with that hat? He looks like a pimp chic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, yeah, you're right. It's got like a like a chic flow in the back. It, you know what? Yeah, it's like... Um, <laughs> pimp in the front, chic in the back. I don't know what's happening there. It's like a ball cap but it's got uh, the part on the back that protects your neck. And then also has like the like taxi cab checkers as, as like a belt around the top here. Yeah, with a white paint, with a white purple brim. Yeah, I wouldn't rule out the fact that it's like a Hawaiian style to keep the uh, sun off the back of your neck while you're surfing. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm guessing. It's just a, the style looks very 90s though. Um, so, anyways, it's a side-scrolling platformer where you, you're um, Thrilla, the gorilla, and um, yeah, it's it's basically a psych bike. But uh, yeah, we get to see some. Uh, yeah, next to the bone, next to the old shell game, which is a uh, like a bonus stage, we get to see like sweat or spit flying out of his mouth. But the way his hand is positioned, it looks like he's popping pills. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Well, and the way he's frantic, he's just like, oh, oh, man, I, I, I can't do this straight. I, got, I, need a little, I need a little help. Well, you know, they did call him the uh, Lance Armstrong of skateboarding. So there you go. <laughs> so moving on, um, you go oh through gosh. jungle levels, river levels, apparently. No, you're not going to talk about the level one boss killer rhino. Oh, I didn't see him. He's on the next page. You. Yeah, oh, you, okay. level 1-4 killer rhino. Oh, when I, yeah, that's what I was getting for. Getting, getting there. The killer oh rhino. God. What the hell is what? this? It's like some scientist went way overboard. I'm looking at like a, a eagle slash rhinoceros with both ends a rhinoceros. Yeah, well, one's a triceratops, the other's a rhino. They're both birds and there's no ass. So one of the one of these birds has really bad breath. <laughs> oh man! It says the the killer rhino, the two-headed beast, guards the end of the first stage, floats near the center of the small area, and tosses horns in your direction. Roll up to the left and toss exploding coconuts at this monster by hitting the A button. When you see a horn coming your way, jump to avoid being blasted. That oh is bizarre, gosh. even for this game. I mean, that's just like. Okay. What kind of scientist thinks I'm going to create a creature with no ass? <laughs> because not only would it be an amazing technical achievement, but then I won't have to clean it up. Yeah, I don't know. Where does it poop? We want to know. 
it's it's like cat dog. It doesn't poop at all. It just like converts all food into pure energy. There you go. It knows there's no waste. It's a zero waste consumer. Hmm. I like it. You know. No, I know what the wastes you know. are. It's it's the horns. That's why he can keep producing them. <laughs> it's constantly pooping out of its head. Right, and he can use them as weapons. That's his badass. Oh yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. Oh my gosh. So moving on, they kind of talked about the later later levels here. Apparently, you're fighting a, a a giant shark with horrible teeth, which is pretty neat. I mean, that's a that's a pretty well drawn boss. And uh, no, what is the he? Broken glass jaw is pretty cool. Is he riding something there, like a like a uh, dolphin or something? A black dolphin. It says hop onto the back of a shark and take a break from riding the boards. Yeah, it looks like he's well. A, black shark or a black dolphin or mm-hmm. whatever and then we get to see some more purple yes all right and so that's the end of thriller it looks like he, <laughs> well i see at the end of level three it looks like he's fighting an exploding metal crab or a scorpion yeah there's some really bizarre uh um, bosses in this game and and of course we got the orange gorilla in front of an orange mountain so you can clearly see where thriller is in that <laughs> screenshot for level three yeah that's I mean, he's wearing, like, red shorts. At least in, like, the ones on the left of it, you can clearly see him against the sand. And that's all well, finely let me, colored. Let me, let me just point out here that um, the thing to do is to, to sort of walk it backwards. Um, so what year was this game released? This game was, was uh, early 92, 92, right? yeah. So you figure it's going to take them um, about six months to get the cartridges developed and manufactured so, and uh, a year to program the game. This game was, was started development in about the middle of 1990. Hmm. So at that time, what other games were being developed? What, you know, how high quality games were being developed? Uh, LJN was obviously desperate to get on the, we've got to start releasing more um, cartridges as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. What do we own that we can <laughs> they do? Forgot, they forgot the word good. Yes. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is the Atari problem. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you get these these highs and lows. That's one of the reasons why Nintendo would only allow you to release so many games per year. Right. And I think at this point they were starting to lose that, that tight control. And you're seeing more. I, I mean, the thing to keep in mind is that this game that you're looking at right here, only the best games available made it into Nintendo Power. <laughs> so this was better than all the games that didn't make it into this issue. Right. Yeah, yeah. There were there were games that we saw for like the power meters in the middle of the page, in the middle of the issue, that they didn't even bother covering. And I was just wondering, like, oh my god, so these, so some of these turds were the cream of the crop, the cream of the crap, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Well, but speaking of the opposite end of that spectrum, for the next game, we have a very decent game which looks to uh, take on some of the uh, the modern casual cell phone games, mobile games that we see today. Yoshi's, uh, Yoshi just, yeah, it's just Yoshi. I thought it's called Yoshi's Egg. Not only just see Yoshi, maybe, but maybe got a different name in Europe. I thought this was released as Yoshi's Egg. Ooh. Maybe in the coverage no, here. Yoshi's Cookie. Yoshi's Cookie was a later game, but. This is, no, this is just Yoshi. This is just this Yoshi? Is just Yoshi. Yep. Oh, or, or as he says, Yoshi! You are disturbingly good at that. That is freakishly good. Yeah, that will haunt me. How many times have you said that? 
Oh, you want to hear? Oh, yeah, you want to hear before? We'll talk about it. Yes, that's well. If you want to hear more of my Yoshi impression, you can listen no. to issue thirty-four of Nintendo Power when mm. we cover Legend of Zelda. Of course, if you're listening to this as a, as a regular listener, then you already have. Huzzah! All right, so Mike, tell us about "quote unquote" Yoshi the game. Well, we all, what did we establish in Super Mario World? Yoshi loves two things getting punched in the back of the head and eating. <laughs> well, I wasn't say licking things, but sure. <laughs> well, Yoshi's a big fan of the donkey punch, so. Yes. But but they couldn't make a game out of that. They probably did, but, you know, just like Howard's comic, it never saw public consumption. There you go. So instead, they just decided, let's combine Tetris, falling items, with Yoshi. So how is Yoshi going to eat them? Well, Yoshi's not going to eat them, so... They just decided to forget Yoshi eating anything, and now it's just eggshells falling, and somehow if you crush enough enemies into an egg, you make a Yoshi, which makes him... What the hell does that make Yoshi? Like a hybrid mishmash? Does that make him a homunculus? Like, hmm. What the hell is Yoshi if you can just create him out of combining ghosts and plants and shit? I'm going to have to go with you're overthinking the game for 200, please, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, now you've been playing with power. (laughs) Oh, now you're burning with power. Oh, it's sick burn. All right. So anyways, they're talking. It's basically like a puzzle game uh, similar to Tetris or Dr. Mario, but with a different theme, uh, different play style. You have to stack a certain number in a row to try and get them into an egg. You create a Yoshi. Yay, you get points. Huzzah. So they have an interesting little um, comic strip at the bottom of uh, the section here. Um, and so we've got Mario apparently is playing Yoshi uh, in the living room. And uh, Luigi's popping by and says, hi, Mario. And uh, so they sit. Th- he sits down They check out the game. And um, he's telling them how to play it. And uh, <clears throat> then uh, Yoshi tries to, I mean, uh, Luigi tries to play it. He's in big trouble. And um, a giant uh, amalgamation of a monster pops out of the television. Hey, so somebody was thinking like me. Yeah. Um, you have too many now, different kinds. Yeah. Have you guys talked about why the uh, Nintendo controller cord is as short as it is? Uh, it's never occurred to me. Because I well, never you, saw them selling an extension for it. Right. The reason it's that short is because, of course, it was designed to be played in Japan. And in Japan, your living rooms are much mm. smaller than they are in the U.S. So that's why you have to sit so close to the TV when you're playing Nintendo. I never had a t- television large enough to be able to sit back anywhere. <laughs> yeah, back in, yeah, this uh, this only lasted briefly, but I remember having to have the Nintendo out in the middle of the floor mm. so it can span the distance. And, of course, when you have parents who didn't grow up with consoles they just don't think to look for that sure um, so you always have to like have this paranoid mindset of when they come in like hey keep attention is this a sad tale of how your parents passed away that would be a good tale because then it would mean I get to save console <sighs> anyways we'll save that for a whole other podcast we'll talk um, about Mike's parental therapy issues later yes we've already fe- we've already had uh, Mike's dad in the show several times including vacuuming at three in the morning above his head so that's good <clears throat> so apparently I guess you can play two players you can face off against a friend 
Um, and then it says, but wait, there's more. And then they have a small screenshot telling you about the Game Boy game coming out. Which actually, for a straight Nintendo port, pretty good. Yeah, it looks almost identical on a little screen. So moving on, we've got the classified information section. And here's where they have the famous agent numbers plastered underneath the video games that they're talking about. So Llewellyn, did you put anything into classified information? Or again, like that was a a different department? Uh, Well, I mean, they would get it from us. um, But... You know, it would be basically whoever Gail liked would get, <laughs> get off the phones and they'd say, okay, well, we, we were getting a lot of questions on this, that, or the other thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you know, there's always Castlevania. Everybody loved like, Castlevania. Um, and it would, sometimes it would be just things that um, the company would send us saying, hey, here's this cool thing, uh, like the sound test for Over the Horizon. Maybe something that, you know, you it was one of two things. It was either something we get a lot of questions on or something that there's no way you could find on your own without mm. the Internet. Yeah, so it was either prescribed from the developer, basically. Here's something you can give to your readers kind of thing, or it was, mm-hmm. hey, this is what we actually found while playing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because there's things like, oh, you know, all you got to do to uh, to initiate the sound select and the, the level stage is simply just like press pause, then up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, up, up, down, 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 left, 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 right, right. Then you do uh, spin around three times in front of your television set, and then then you press pause and A, B on your second controller, then you turn it upside down. and mm-hmm. Yeah. I always thought bringing in the second controller was kind of mean and evil, but... Yeah. Um, the second controller thing seems like it was like a um, a developer um, like cheat, basically. Like, yeah. oh, or QA cheat. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, could you put it in a way so I can get a stage select so I don't have to test through the whole game? You know, kind well, of. Well, that's, yeah, that that's, I mean, the, uh, my understanding is the, the whole up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, right, start thing came about because the guy who developed Gradius literally could not beat it. <laughs> and so he, he just put that in there so that he could finish it. Nice. Oh my gosh! You you think when playing that, you think when discovering that, you'd be like, "I need to crank down the difficulty a bit." If I, the guy who knows every single aspect <coughs> of this game because no one else has played it, mm-hmm. cannot beat it, maybe I fucked up somewhere. Yeah, that's but no. It's just like no. I just need to work around <laughs> the screw up rather than change the screw up. Yeah, well, that's why I want to know about battle. Very, repu- very you know, Republican thinking. I want to know if rare actually, rare employees actually went through legitimately. They're like, oh no, throw in the warp here so we can just skip those levels. We're not gonna. No one's gonna beat those things, you know. <laughs> Especially not our customers, right? Who might actually want to play the thing. I think the thing that tips you off to the agent numbers not meaning anything is that not a single one of the ones in the issue mm-hmm. that we're looking at is repeated. Not a single agent number is repeated. Right. So, and, uh, you know, Nintendo's not going to have looking that. at 909, you know. We're just not well, gonna have you, you know, even if they're not, like, sequential, if they're, like, you know, uh, numbers on, like, a sports team, for instance, they're not necessarily sequential, you know. Yeah. Even then, though, it's like you never see them actually line up with any people in the issue, you know? So you can't go, oh, okay. This one uh, for Facebook 2000 is from uh, Jason Gamage, you know? I, I hate to get all meta on you, but I can, I would be willing to bet you any amount of money that if we invented time travel, 
And we went back to, this is the April issue, so it probably went to press in March. Let's say it closed in, in January. If I went back to January of, of 1992, and I said, did you know that there will someday be um, a cast of this issue? And people will discuss with great intensity where the agent numbers come from and how they relate to real people. <laughs> Someone would hit me. Someone literally would hit me and tell me to get the hell out of the office. <laughs> yeah, I figured. <laughs> I mean, th- these are these are kids' magazines mm-hmm. that were never intended for posterity. So, well, the scary thing is that someday someone will be making an ultracast of our podcast of the magazine. Mm. Remember the Playing With Power podcast? Well, back in those days, who would have thought that we'd be talking about them? Right. <laughs> that would be that would be awesome. Um, well, they didn't count on me keeping oh all God. these issues in my garage and then convincing uh, two of my friends to uh, start a podcast about it. So... I like the idea of like someone creating like an after show for our podcast. That'd be great. They were like, "Hey, here's let's what, here's what, let's here's go through let's go year Mike. one of the uh, playing with power." Yeah. Here's what I thought about Mike's racist jokes when they first started in issue two. <laughs> now, as we can see, the arc starts to develop, and he starts getting more Trump esque by issue forty three. Right. And then by issue forty five, you can tell he's not kidding anymore. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> And then they talk, they'll talk about the times when, like, you were sitting too far away from the microphone as the dark times. <laughs> or the deaf times. Yes, the deaf times. All right. Well, I, I mean, there's all there's a good stuff on the classified information here, but nothing that really um, jumped out to me. I'm, oh, I'm looking at Super EDF. And I was just wondering, why would they have this? It is, again, one of those second controller passwords. So you know it's freaking great. <laughs> It says like when the when like on the second controller, press and hold the start button up on the control pad, then press the reset button on the control deck. Like nobody, no user <laughs> is actually just like, hey, I'm gonna just fuck around with the buttons and just reset my controller randomly after cataloging random entries just well, to I, see what I, happens. Again, a lot of these were put in to make them deliberately impossible for you to find, so right. that they could, you know, during the presentation to the middle management, ineffectual middle management suck-ups, they can say, okay, we need you guys to choose which weather pattern you want EDF to have in the opening scene. Let me just do this thing. Okay, here's one. Let me do this thing here. Okay, there's two. Which one do you want us to pick? And then mm-hmm. they just don't take it out. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an Easter egg after that. Yep. And then for uh, elevator action, we got Agent 777. You think that that agent number would at least be saved for like a casino game? Mm. <laughs> Elevator so, action, of course, starring Mike's mom. Hi-yo! Oh, hi-yo. <laughs> Except, oh my god. Yeah, I'm not gonna... Well, because I would have had a great follow-up to that, except you had to give me the shitty lead. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, also, it was, uh, you know, well, at least they wrote a song about it. Aerosmith, anyways. Loving an elevator! <laughs> going up, are you going down? There you go. Or whatever you say. Yeah. No, um, I... I do want to point out here down at the bottom, wanted special agents. People actually wrote in a lot of these too. Um, you know, a popular activity among oh, yeah. the game experts. I don't know who these game experts were. A lot of times, you'd have people who were self-identified as, you know, I am the greatest Nintendo player in, you know, the Western Seaboard uh, mm-hmm. and whatnot. But you know, they they would have this idea that they had a lot of input on what we were doing. 
with a lot of, lot of uh, tips and stuff that information. And, you know, you want to promote that because those kids are forcing their parents to buy them every single car crash. Sure. Well, it t- tells them to choose their own uh, agent number as well. So that must be where they're getting at least some of them. Uh, you must have, you must have had like six thousand agent sixty nines, <laughs> <clears throat> and we would change all of them to ninety six. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So next up, we've got a continuation of the Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past yeah. comic. And anytime someone tells you that you're that they're the greatest gamer in the world, you just say, uh, "There's only one game master," and I'm sorry, I don't see your I don't see your name on the print. We all know that it's Howard Phillips. That's right. It's Howard. It's his name. Howard Game Master Phillips. (laughs) So, oh, I got an interesting story from, uh, if we ever have him on the show, I found out the guy's name isn't Gannon, it's Garen. Hmm. Garen Galloway. And he had a great story about uh, Howard that he brought over the the first copy of Mario 3 Mm -hmm. and had like a race to see who could beat it first. And Howard, Howard hustled him by breaking out the warp whistle cheats. Oh, Jesus. Of course he did. So Smug, Howard, humble Howard. Yeah, yeah, humble Howard doesn't take the top spot necessarily with fairness. No. It's to the victor goes the spoils, and there is no victory unless it's just plain victory. Honor doesn't enter it. You wouldn't be surprised if he busts out the game, Genie. <laughs> oh, now you're not playing with power anymore. <laughs> that, yeah, well, that would be a little too obvious when you're just like, oh, but I'm going to plug in this game and I'm just going to stick this big plastic monstrosity sticking out of it, too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so we have the Legend of Zelda comic uh, taking off from last issue. Link found himself in the desert facing a Lan Mola, as he called it. And I don't recall this. Uh, yes, this enemy. Well, I have. Yeah, this must be an enemy from the game, although I remember the Moldorm in the desert more than this guy. But anyway, Link decides if it's going to be him or me, it has to be him. And he manages to get under his armor, stab him in the belly, and then the guy sinks into the desert, which, you know, that's a lot of effort. You'd think that if it died that it would just be on the sand, but whatever. So Link is wandering through the desert realizing it goes on forever and then he has an obi-wan on hoth moment with the illusion of his mentor telling him to get atop death mountain find the next pendant realizing it was just a mirage he sees the mountain flipping and flipping him the bird and (laughs) and then he finds a portal that lights up and we get to see his parents I think this is the first time in any Link thing where we've actually acknowledged that Link isn't a friggin' orphan. That he's got actual parents. And we see his uncle. So when they say the world of darkness, well, apparently his uncle died a noble death fighting Aghanim, but nobility doesn't count for shit because apparently he still ended up in the dark world. So I guess like there is no heaven, only hell. Well, keep in mind that this is a Japanese and a manga, so you know they have a very different conception of, of heaven, hell, and, and things like that. So I would say that even though this is a Nintendo Power magazine, this is far from canon. <laughs> yeah, they say we are in, we are here with our brother, which is really fucking disturbing when you put an ounce of thought into it. 
because that means that Link is the product. Like his parents are also his aunt and uncle, apparently. Well, it's not a family tree so much. It's just a it's just a pole. <laughs> well, why do you think every single Link you know is named Link? I mean, they don't rename them. They're just like, oh, we're gonna make Zeldas and Links, <laughs> and that's it. We're here with our brother, so it's just one big happy family. Oh my gosh! The more we read, the more horrified I am. <laughs> As well, you so should then, be, my son. As well, you should be. Oh my god! So then, Link decides. Well, I'm going to stick my hand into hell, heaven, whatever this afterlife thing is, and then of course he's promptly rewarded by having his hand turned wolfish. Which doesn't even hold with the friggin' game because we know when Link hit the uh, the portal in Death Mountain to go into the Dark World, what he didn't turn into a wolf. That was a later game, Twilight Princess. We all know what animal he turned into in the Super Nintendo game, right? It's a pig, right? No, a pink bunny. Oh, my bad. Hey, it's pink. Because, because yeah, because his heart is gentle and kind. He's a he's a he's a he's a timid person. Mm. So he turns into a bunny. Here, he turns into a wolf. Now, so this just takes a real departure from the game, which, you know, it would have been cute if he, like, comes out with a nice fluffy paw. And then the old man would tell him, like, you know, you need to toughen up a bit. Clearly, the uh, even the Dark World thinks you're a pussy. But anyway, he tells him, you penetrated the gate to the Dark World. That wicked realm has the power to change your body to reflect your heart. The emotions in your heart are negative and evil. You nearly became a beast. We haven't seen Link display any negativity, so, you know, there's a lot of inconsistencies here. And it says, Sashrala killed my uncle, and now he's holding Zelda. So, apparently, like, souls go to the Dark World. Ugh. Anyway, it says, you can never win with hatred alone. If you were, if you were victorious, darkness would consume you. So, again, more Obi-Wan stuff here. Like, if you use anger to kill Vader, you will become him, so... And then we see uh, Zelda show up, and again, like she seems to have the same hairstyle as Link, the uh, the pointy ears and the uh, the sideburns that really leave your face. So again, there's a lot more relationship stuff going on here. Like we really we really got to question if everyone, <laughs> if Zelda's parents were also the same. So. Then she says, we are in our dream of two people doing the same thing. They will meet. So he goes, wait, dreams, mirages. This is all so confusing. And then they end up in the flower field from the Wizard of Oz, apparently. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. And he's like, my arm, it hurts. Please rest. Don't worry. And then we see him uh, sleeping in the desert, which, you know, all that sun exposure, that's that's going to be great. And then he realizes that someone has bandaged his arm, but he doesn't know who. And then he sees the Tower of Hera, which is like, if someone took the link, the Washington Monument and just decided, hey, can we make this look like a pencil instead? This is what they uh, came up with. And which is a really stupid tower because it's just apparently the, the inside is just a staircase. So I guess it's like the Statue of Liberty. So... He ends up climbing all these stairs. How dare you and say that, is... Canadian? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the CN Tower, only better. <laughs> yes, because there's stuff in the CN Tower. Mm. 
And then he sees some lights show up in a honeycomb pattern. And he goes, hey, who turned down the lights? And then he realizes, oh boy, don't ask a question you don't want the answer to. Because then there's this massive spider. And he uh, comes at Link. Link manages to climb up him, stab him in the eye. And realizing that the pendant is in the eye, he reaches in with his bandaged hand, which, you know, shouldn't really have any grip since it's essentially a big mitt. But he still manages to stick his hand in the eye with the appropriate sound effect. And he manages to grab the pendant and it transmutes his hand back to normal. And then the spider just drops down. And uh, somehow he falls on the spider's back and then ends up standing up in a blue fog. Not quite sure why. But he says, you've recovered the pendants, now go to the Lost Woods. Can't I rest for a while? If you really are the hero of Hyrule, the Sword of Evil's Bane will select you as its bearer. So then Link goes through the Dark World asking if his parents were alive. And then he finds out that his parents were Knights of Hyrule, but they stumbled into the Dark World. After they disappeared, your uncle adopted you and shielded you from the intrigues of the royal family. Which still doesn't answer the question, if his parents are alive, but his uncle is definitely dead, why is he with them? Hmm. But, we, but this comic does not provide answers. What it does provide is a bitchin' scene of the sword in the stone. With Link approaching the Master Sword, seeing his own refle reflection gleaming in the hilt. And a nice epic scene where he grabs the sword, yanks it out, and lightning arcs from the stone to the sword, letting you know that th now he is playing with power. Mm -hmm. To be continued. I, I, yeah, I think the question we have to ask ourselves is, I mean, you've seen that each issue, the Nintendo Power issues have been growing in size. Um, and, you know, these weren't cheap to make. Um, and there's no way that $15... Um, a subscription you're going to make any money off that mm -hmm. so well, you know, wh why did we start including so many pages of comics in this um you know was it i'm assuming that somebody at some point sent out a survey and they said we want to see more comics i don't know that this is what they had in mind mm. it's kind of epic but it would have been nice if it had gameplay information <laughs> subtly put in because like this would be a new game at the time so if you could have, you know, things in the comic that reflect the game, but also have a nice narrative in it, but then it departs so much, it becomes its own thing, which is still a good thing. I mean, like, it's not, it's not bad. It's well, good story, good everything. It just little inconsistencies like, hey, we're alive and we're here with our dead brother. Never mind the fact that we said our brother instead of like, I'm here with my brother. So, yeah, I mean, they, they sell it for 15 bucks a year subscription. <laughs> or they uh, it's 350 an issue, basically. I mean, it's kind of obvious. It's, it's subsidized by Nintendo to me um, so that they sell you more games, basically. It's a big advertisement for their games and their system. So, of course, they want to make it uh, accessible to everybody. Come check out our new games. See which ones you want to buy. And give us more money. Call our, call our gameplay counselors. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we, 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 were not, we were not making them anyone. Um, we were just awesome. yeah. um, 
drinking all their food, it, eating all their. It's all, all their it's all about their customer service, though. Their their commitment to to helping the customer and being available and friendly and all that kind of stuff, though. But, but yeah, yeah. It, it showed that they cared and. Right, because no, the last thing they want is for an Atari situation, basically, <laughs> where it's like, hey, this game sucks, uh, and it doesn't work, and there's no one to call about it. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> you know? yeah, the Atari method yeah. was, that's the funny thing, like, they treated games like toasters and TVs and shit, like, just keep making products and selling them, and that's how we make money. It's like, no, 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 see, when you're selling an experience, you're actually going to care about the experience you're selling. No, 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 we're selling plastic and cartridges. No, 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 you're selling things on the plastic and cartridges, and that's going to matter. Right. It's going to hurt your brand eventually, Atari. Oh, well. All right, so let's get through the Game Boy section, and then let's take a break before we get to the uh, Super Mario Adventures. What do you guys say? Sure. So, uh, Ben, yeah. Ben, you can tell us about the Star Trek thing. Yes, the Star Trek for the Game Boy section. Star Trek for Game Boy. Uh, This follows the original 60s uh, TV series. Um, I had this game, actually. Um, It's okay. Um, It's it's weird trying to find um, planets and stuff. You are blasting away as the Starship Enterprise and sort of a side-scrolling shooter, much like uh, Gradius or something of that nature on a Game Boy, which, as you can imagine, isn't all that great. Um, And then you have... um, It shows something neat with the Enterprise actually tilting up and down, so it's like, wow, the ship ship actually moves, unlike unlike the regular series. Right. Yeah, it's a little, obviously, a little unrealistic. Um, <laughs> in this depiction, uh, just to get some some decent gameplay in there. Oh, I thought you were talking about the series being unrealistic because they no, I mean, <laughs> I'm talking about the thing moving up or down. Obviously, it doesn't move like that quickly, you know. <laughs> okay, so you've got away missions where it looks like you just go down as one person at a time, so you don't have a whole crew with you. And I can't tell who you're playing as. Is it just as as Kirk? Yeah, I would imagine. I think you're just playing. Yeah, you're just playing as Kirk. Um, but you can. You know, this get, makes him a shitty captain. <laughs> you think being a captain of a ship, you would send a uh, crew, or you know, other people. You know, not the most important person in control of everything to well, face that's the Well, you had to go. Yeah, but who who wants who wants to watch a series of? The unimportant mm-hmm. person going down and doing things and then reporting back to the captain. Spock, I've got to go down there myself. I've seen a green woman. I must connect with her. <laughs> There's a guy in a shirt with a horn. I must double punch him. <laughs> what? Don't you remember the Gorn? Gorn. It's a Gorn. It's Gorn. No, I don't remember that. Um... <laughs> Personally, I, I, I just want to throw this out there. Uh, I always pitied the poor schlob who you see on the uh, third page. We have the planet Neural. Sad name for planet. The, I, I just want to call out to my, my lonely gameplay counselor brothers who had to take the screenshots <gasps> to make that. Is that how that was made? Tell us. Tell us how it was made. Well, well look at it. You, 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 you see how the. Um, we, we took the Game Boy up to a television. And then you take the this. How? How'd you do it? Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember seeing a video. Out. I don't remember seeing a video out on that. There, there is, there is. No, you, you, you have a an adapted gameplay, uh, an adapted mm. Game Boy, 
that instead of going to the Game Boy screen, would go to a television screen. So it was like a massive cord, or was it like they hacked? You're thinking of this. This is especially designed. It's basically an NES. But instead of taking NES cartridges, oh, no, was that yeah. was? Do you know if that was done at Nintendo of America or was that shipped to you guys from Japan for the purpose? Uh, oh, I, I, I couldn't tell you where it was made, but I suspect it was made in. Okay, Japan so it was made available to you guys, um, and then you guys had to take screenshots. That's why the character is in all the all the screenshots. Well, I mean, yeah, if you count one, two, three, four, five, six. That's something on the order of 40 or 50 screenshots, just right. that one thing. And having to get, you know, the screenshots necessary for every article mm-hmm. that you see, you've got to do just the right mm-hmm. thing. Um, you know, you've got, okay, well, we want to see the Enterprise tilted up. Oh, okay. Oh, no, we want to see the Enterprise shooting a photon torpedo. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, sometimes we get really weird requests, like maybe mm. we'll be on the next page, but... Um, when I, I, I don't like Batman and Robin, some and, and Highlander too. Some films didn't exist. Maybe we've heard of them, but they never really happened. Mario Brothers, the movie was problem, but they did ask for our help in making it. Um, they wanted to know how did Mario move, so they they asked me again. I got to walk the for this. To make a video of all of Mario's classic moves in Super Mario Brothers Three, so that they could base um, Danny DeVito's movements on what I would show. I would have loved to seen a Mario movie with Danny DeVito as Mario. He was originally going to be Mario, which obviously makes this movie could have been better. I don't think so. Okay, first off, you have an actual Italian playing Mario. Okay, that's a plus right there. <laughs> oh, come on now. Bob Hoskins wasn't bad. Nobody could have saved the movie. No, he wasn't bad. Nobody but could have saved the movie. A good writer could have saved the movie. Anyway, but I just wanted yeah. to throw out there. So did, uh, wait a second. Look was that, did so you send a video of you dressed as Mario showing how he moves? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that... We got to save that no, video. No, that's no, gotta, no, that, that, we, we, we got to launch a YouTube channel and have that on it. It's a me, Llewellyn. No, it, it's a video of Mario doing, you know, the forward yeah, yeah. jump, the backward jump, the, the raccoon funny. suit, all, all those things. But, but you know, remember, when you see these screenshots, some poor schlub is having to play the game oh, that's, to yeah. that point. I imagine this would have so to be done in pairs since, like, you can't pause the game to grab the camera and take a picture, take a picture of it. Like, was it a special camera or a Polaroid? Like... The, did, did you have you a special dark room for this purpose? Yeah, because I'd imagine these screens would get uh, washed. You know, out. we just we just would make the video tape. We would just make the video tape. Oh, so you aimed a camera, a video camera, at the TV, and then just edited? No, a VCR, a VCR. You're recording oh, what's on right, the screen. Right, but how are you? How are you getting the prints out? How are you getting the little frames out for print? You just took the frame off of the tape, basically. Is that what we do? Yeah, you can just. Yeah, there's there's a, a way you can print from okay. uh, a video set. I don't know what it's just a machine. That, that makes you sense. Get. Yeah, I mean, I saw they had a, a boy in his blob for Game Boy in one of the past issues, and like there's like the top of like the main area where it's just like this wide open space, and you just see the boy in his blob with the uh, umbrella, like probably I want to say at least sixty times in the top of there. 
And I'm just like, I'm just like, you know, we were talking about. It. I'm like, you know, some poor sap had to like jump the guy into that one area just so he could get the fact that there's nothing there. <laughs> so uh, you said that. So we got. So you got like a, a console Game Boy that you would feed into a VCR. So. I gotta ask, did it look like the Game Boy with the green background, or was it like a white background because it didn't have the LCD screen that you're looking at? Well, in, in the answer to your question, I will point you to the screenshots on the Planet Neural. That's pretty much hmm. exactly what it looks like. Okay, so it didn't have seen, the green. Yeah. Okay, so it was like, well, yeah, it seems like whiter, but not really white, because we've seen. Yeah, we've seen screenshots from other Game Boy games, and they're, like, pure white. Hmm. So I was trying to figure out, like, what that may have come from. Like, if they found a way to bypass the green screen, but they may have bleached it. But, so... Well, once once you get it into something like that, you can... Once you get it into an actual photo, you can sure. do all sorts of things with it. Okay. Well, so, this was, I, oh man, I really wanted to know about the screenshots, especially like for the yes. Game Boys and, and you, <laughs> yes. you really, you really came through on that. You've you, you probably should have asked if you really wanted to know. <laughs> uh, let me, let me just throw in here that this is actually a very common problem. People would have questions and they'd call up and they'd ask the easy question and they'd be like, I don't want to ask the hard question because I'm too embarrassed or I've just forgotten or I don't, I don't realize that you mm. could answer that question. So this is actually a pretty common, you know, we sometimes we draw draw questions out of people and be like, oh, really? Yeah, so it, it, that's the way. It that wouldn't have going. occurred to me that the, the game playing counselors would have been involved in this. It just seems like Nintendo Power staff only because it's all print, you know? No, I figured the counselors because they're uh, playing well, it. Well, but I mean, the, play the game to know it, so I figured who Yeah, it makes yeah. sense now, of course. Yeah, they're not. Remember, the actual people working for Nintendo Power, that would be like Gale and two other Oh, people. that's it? I mean, their, their cubicles were like directly <laughs> below me. Um, so, you know, they're doing a lot of layout. I, I think the layout must have been done somewhere else. I think we, we would just hire someone and then they would send the layout sheets to Gale. I don't, I don't know about that. Um, but, you know, if they needed pictures or whatnot, they'd either get them from the developers. Or if we were able to get a copy to us, hmm. then we would do it. Interesting. I like the jargon uh, here that they've got here for, uh, like, use the tricorder. And we see, like, non-sentient chlorosilicon plant life form, low toxicity, no known antidote. And all those words actually make sense. So they're not just throwing, like, hey, let's throw out pseudoscience words. Yeah. yeah they actually seem to have spent a decent amount of money. Yeah, it looks uh, pretty good. Who, who made this? I'm trying to look back now. Konami. Um, it's a, yeah. um, so, it looks pretty decent. It's kind of uh, looks Zelda-ish, and then it's a uh, overhead uh, maze type uh, situations. You go different planets, um, and you have to make it through. You've got you got your phaser um, armed and ready to go. Well, I like the end here where you have to fight Kurt clones, which is perfect. <laughs> Do they double fist punch you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, you you got to know that the gamesters of Triskelion would have made copies of the, the one mm -hmm. that got away. So, uh, 500 quadrants on the first one, number 37. <laughs> nice. Okay, I got to ask about this planet Kandala. What the hell happened to the map? 
Like, you mean Kal- Kalonda? I'm talking about the big glitchy zero in the in the screen. Mm. Uh, you know, I have not played this game, so I really couldn't answer. But it looks like oh, somebody, uh, somebody fell asleep says, at the uh, VCR. No, it says on here, very slick king or pit. The light colored panels will slide open and then close. Argan death oil is exposed when the panels are open. Avoid stepping the oil. It's not at all healthy. Oh, so it's... Yeah, so you basically it opens and closes. So they're always so opening and closing and moving. Yeah. That's why that screenshot looks weird. So when you see it overhead, you realize it's like a big O. Mm-hmm. Huh. And O, well, you, you're probably getting something in the middle of the, uh, the area. You just have to get yep. into it. All right. Are we good with Star Trek here? Should we move on? Yeah. All right, so next up we got a, a double feature for two different uh, uh, jet fighting games. Yeah, uh, so see, this is Game Boy Takes Flight. About. Yeah, here's what I'm talking about, the white Game Boy screen. It's got a blue one down here, too. So the first <laughs> game is Turn and Burn, the F-14 dogfight simulator, and the second one is Top Gun, Guts and Glory. And they both look the same. <laughs> <laughs> One's by... No, one has a white background oh, and one has true. a blue background. If you're playing your Game Boy, they're both going to look the same. They're, they're both green. <laughs> yeah. Is there like a reason these were different colors? or did well, they It's just... like why we have the... Uh, again, I think they were just... Um, maybe one of these we did and one of these the developers said it. Mm-hmm. Also, it could depend on what they pro. Because you kind of haphazard about programming the background color in the Game Boy, because you know it's going to end mm. up green. So maybe you program it with a white background, uh, or you program it with a blue background, thinking maybe that'll show up better mm. in the green on the actual Game Boy screen. So you know they're always trying to, to fill with the Game Boy. I mean, the, the Game Boy was kept alive oh, yeah. long past its its you know reasonable uh, lifespan, but you know. We always came back with, well, you know, the battery power lasts so much longer on the Game Boy than it will on your... Game Gear or Atari Lynx or what have you. Game Gear I know the only way I figure if you want to play Turn and Burn and get the same experience, it would have to sell like a blue cellophane that you put over your screen so that you can fly (laughs) over the blue sky. They had video games like that where you literally just put like, uh, you had Pong as a game. And they would sell you yeah. cellophane the attachments hockey, the that would put on, yeah, it would, yeah, put whatever you want, yeah, to give you different colors. TV, and you pretend you were playing a different game. Basically, I'm driving now. Look, <laughs> I'm moving the car left and right. I'm bouncing my car along the walls. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty lame. I, I like this pilot for a learn or burn. Like he's got like he's got like, <laughs> learn he's, or burn. Yeah, look at Turn and Burn, the mission, Learn or Burn. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's got a nice cop stash as he's getting into... No, he's not He's not making it up. He really means that. Yeah, I get it. He's got a nice cop stash as he's getting into his fighter jet. Nice. I mean, he kind of he looks like a, like a 30-year-old Alex Trebek. <laughs> looks like a... I like the way they're all welcoming. Yeah, him Ron Burgundy back. takes flight is what I look at. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to send you all to the whale vagina in the sky. <laughs> yeah. What was his uh, dog's name? Wilson? That's going to kill me now. Oh, shit. What was... Anyways. So let's move through here. Uh, I guess... So um, So far I'm digging uh, Turner Burns' display a little better. 
uh, as far as the uh, um, the view from the cockpit. His, his dog's name was Baxter. Baxter, there you go. Baxter's in the cockpit. <laughs> yeah, you got some nice uh, intro graphics from Turn and Burn. You know, you know, the first three Russians I shot down wasn't even me. I was a little mm-hmm. blitzed from the Mai Tai, but Baxter took the wheel and killed those Russians and made widows of their wives because he's a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving on, uh, they had this weird mission debrief thing where they're basically talking about the action from level to level as if it were um, some kind of log from a, from a flight. That's a weird way to, right? Again, I, I, I got to think they're just filling, filling pages. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but hey, 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 now Top Gun has a nice little graphic of uh, you landing and the top opening up, but nothing as close to uh, Ron Burgundy stepping out of the, stepping into the plane. <laughs> so <laughs> he just comes out. It's like I just killed thirteen men. That escalated <laughs> quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How's my hair? <laughs> All right, and then so the next game is Ultra Golf for the Game Boy. Uh, which looks halfway decent. It's got uh, different courses here. Um, it says Ultra Golf consists of two 18-hole courses. So it's got two courses to play through. It's got a top-down view, it looks like. Um, it doesn't really show you when you're hitting, though. It just shows the overhead. So um, I think that might have been just about all there was to it. Uh, normally they have some kind of shot of like the ball, you know, with like the here's the wind and and the distance and all that. Well, there's it does say that the, you should watch the wind direction, but I'm not seeing any place that would indicate. It just feels like they're missing a screenshot where? or two of actually like hitting the ball. <laughs> I know that John would get it. I know that John would enjoy the last thing mentioned on the second page stroke play. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Stroke, yeah, yeah. stroke play um, special I down do, at uh, Spear Truckers. I do wonder. This, this, is, <laughs> this is probably one of the, the 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 game link was pretty new at this point. I think so. You're doing head to head matches. So you oh, the, the game link. They, I mean, it came with the game link cable. Yeah, and you could do it in Tetris. Yeah, I think I was relatively. Didn't, yeah, you could. Uh, not initially. Yeah, you could. I don't think. It came with it. They just didn't have a whole lot of games that really? featured it. They started featuring more and more. The, like oh. once they figured out Game Boy was sticking around, They're like oh shit, this thing's like still here. Okay, let's use this feature more. They're making a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, uh, next up, we've got Boggle Plus, which is uh, Boggle, but uh, to go, apparently with a smaller board. So Boggle's like uh, Scrabble, right? Like a rip off of Scrabble. You know, I'm terrible at board games, so. It's not a rip off of Scrabble so much as you get certain letters, and I guess it's a rip off of Scrabble. You just make words. Yeah, the out only of difference is letters. you can stack the letters on top but, of other letters. So if you're playing Scrabble and you're like, yeah. oh, I would, wish I could just put my tiles on top of someone else's," well, now you can. It's Boggle. Now you can. And I love the uh, computer components down here. Charles looks like <laughs> the Charles looks <laughs> like Colonel Sanders. Yeah, he does. Pearl looks like some kind of librarian, like uh, Granny from uh, like <laughs> Jim Boy is very yeah, Elvis. Pearl looks like Granny from Bugs from uh, Tweety and Sylvester. Yeah, oh, she Hillary, does. Hillary, she Hillary, does. Hillary looks like Miss Cleo. No, she, no, she looks like um, what's that uh, famous uh, transvestite? Um, 
Bunny? Bunny? Oh, Divine? N- no. Yeah. yeah, Divine. She played Bunny in, uh, I think, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. Um, no, no, no. No. Divine was the uh, the one that uh, was the inspiration for Ursula <laughs> from uh, from Little Mermaid. Oh, it's killing me. Keep going on the next one. I'm going to look. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> All right. Uh, I will point out that it, looking at the crafty computer opponents, they actually look like uh, the people from the Clue <laughs> game. You know, if you combined Irving with Jim Boy, you'd pretty much get Roy Orbison. Oh. Madam Cleo, by the way, was from Seattle and was not uh, right. psychic at all, by the way. Oh my god, next you're going to tell me she wasn't psychic either. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was a telephone psychic after I left Nintendo, and I can tell you that was not a telephone psychic. <laughs> Hi, my name is Llewellyn, and I predict you're going to feel very enraged around the same time your phone bill comes in. Exactly. Um, I was, by the way, really excited to see Missile Command. Oh, on yeah. Um, You'd think that game, that should have been one of the first uh, Game Boy games because it's such a simple game. Yeah, simple game and you get to play like that. your good old favorite uh, Atari uh, Coleco. No, it wasn't on the Coleco. Was it on the Coleco? Missile Command must have been on several systems. I, I I remember, of course, being it was one of the first trackball games in the arcades. Yeah, and so it only gets one page because it's really a simple game. Dame Edna, and you shoot them dead. There we go, Dame. Dame, Dame. Edna. You should have sent famous Australian. I she was British. No, darling, she's Yeah, she really sounds British. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, we took, we yes, took care of this yes. while your brain Thank was you. on hold. So. I appreciate that. All right. With that, we're at the end of uh, the uh, section for Game Boy, and we're going to take a break midway just prior to the Super Mario Adventures, and we'll be back after the break. Um, so I'll go ahead and uh, give our information. If anyone would like to find us in between episodes, please reach out to us on Facebook. Just search for Playing With Power Podcast or go on Twitter at GetThePower88. If you'd like to send us a few bucks, you can go to patreon.com slash playing with power. And if you'd like to be so kind as to go to iTunes and give us a review, just write a review and it'll help us get up in our rankings. I'd like to thank our guest, uh, Llewellyn, for appearing. Thank you very much, sir. Happy to be here. Anything you want to do you want to uh, promote or talk about? Uh, I do have a, a good story for the uh, second half. So I'll save, I'll save it for that and then I'll pop follow it up. All right. What a tease. All right. I love it. Okay. Mike, did you have anything else? Uh, just uh, wanted to let our listeners know that we got a great treat coming for you for the uh, aniver- upcoming anniversary of our, uh, the first year anniversary of our podcast. So keep listening for that. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah, that's about. All right. Well, we'll keep them in suspense. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. I'm Ben. I'm Mike. And now you're playing with power. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Playing With Power podcast. You are tuning in for part two of volume 35 from April of 1992. And uh, again, Nintendo Power, I mean, uh, (laughs) Playing With Power podcast is a Nintendo Power retrospective where we go issue by issue over the issues. And uh, so we are halfway in picking up at uh, Super Mario Adventures comic 
on page 62. But before we get to that, I'll let you introduce myself. I'm your host, Ben, and uh, with me is my co-host, as always, uh, Mike. Hello. And we've got our guest from part one. Uh, welcome back, Llewellyn. Hey, it's great to be still be with you guys. <laughs> yeah. Long time no here, huh? Um, <laughs> So I wanted, well, we still had you here. I wanted to sort of uh, rapid fire some names at you from a gameplay counselor profile, starting with the the issue that you were in. Um, if you don't, if you don't mind. No, no, not at all. Just keep in mind that um, some of them are still close enemies of mine, so I may not be able to be completely honest. Yeah, that's fine. If you if you just want to say uh, no comment, you know, that's, then, we, then we understand. You we'll know, we'll wink, let our listeners we'll, we'll let our listeners fill in the blanks. Okay, so we've got uh, you. You mentioned you still know Jane Hacker. She's in the same issue you are. Yes, that she um, she has legally changed her name because it was hard to get work after the '90s with the last name of Hacker. Hmm. <laughs> Although, okay. if it was the 1890s, she would have been a shoo-in for a lumberjack. I think so, yes. Okay, then we've got uh, Shelly, and I can't say the last name, Coyot? Coylot. Um, yeah, Shelly, there were two or three women in their 50s who were gameplay counselors, and, um, you know, they had nice, soothing voices, and uh, Shelly was actually quite good at video games. There were others who were not good at video games, but they had soothing voices. But they had soothing voices. Well, maybe nice. great for the phone, uh, we have I guess. Jason Gamage or Gamage? Yeah, Jason, I, I really think that the uh, Huxtable sweater he's wearing and the tie tells you just about everything you need to know about that. <laughs> so... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving back an issue. I'm going to go it, backwards here. I think it's Gamage because it rhymes with damage. As mm. in, what's his damage? Yes. Uh, we have uh, Wally Blake. Wally was a great guy. Um, actually, um, he when he left, I was the first one in his cubicle to steal all his good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, did he like you? Was he like, hey, have my stuff? I don't really remember that part. I got a really good <laughs> desk fan out of it that I used for like 20 years. Wow. Okay, we have uh, Joyce Davis. Mm, without looking at the picture, I actually don't remember Joyce. Um, she's got sort of the 90s secretary look. Uh, looks relatively Asian-ish. Mm, I'm sure I knew her, but again, now we're starting to be like people I don't remember. She's pretty cute. Um, then we have Ken Swatman. Nope. Bruce M. White. Uh, I remember Bruce White, and all I remember is that I remember him. Okay. So, previous issue from that. Bill Clark. You know, I think this is going to be a very disappointing section of the podcast. <laughs> hey, we hit, we hit one already. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> okay. Jo- Joe Conklin. Uh, yeah, I remember Joe Conklin. I think he might have been the one who dropped out of his band because they wouldn't play his stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and and when we asked him what the name of the band was, he said, oh, they're not going anywhere. They're called Pearl Jam. It's a stupid name. <laughs> Seriously? 
Seriously. It, it's some band named after cum. I don't see them going anywhere. <laughs> Lovely. Okay, Scott Evanson. Um, Scott was, I think he was the one who was really, really good at um, uh, the um, bobble game. Hmm. Bubble, bubble, bobble. Yeah. He says his best accomplishment was play action football. 84 points in the Power Bowl. Let's play some football. And his favorite game was Solomon's Key. Yeah. A lot of people play a lot of football. Tecmo Bowl. We get so many calls on Tecmo Bowl. Yeah. Todd Westergreen. Don't remember Todd. Okay. Previous issue from that. Jeff Norton. Um, Jeff, I think, might still be there. So if I ever want free swag again, I probably shouldn't say anything. (laughs) James Verhage. Verhage, uh, he yeah. and the guy from the previous issue were were good friends. Um, when we became, when we did the cross training from gameplay counselor to customer service rep, um, they while we were in training, uh, the trainer said, "Okay, well, I'm going to need everyone's log on password so that I can go in and give you access to the customer service side." And uh, James and Scott kind of raised their hands, and mm. like, "Yes." Uh, what if our passwords contain body parts? <laughs> nice. So <clears throat> I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that the, there were um, genital uh, mentions in their, their passwords. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure the, I'm pretty sure like someone just named it pen 15, but then someone just thought, <laughs> no, 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 this is like, <laughs> someone just kind of reached. Or yeah. my, my favorite website, penisland.com. <laughs> you sure that's not John's favorite website? Unfortunate website domains. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We have uh, John Schaumer. Mm, I don't remember John. Casey J. Pelkey. Um, you know, Casey Pelkey's name sounds really familiar, and I'm sure I'd know him if I saw the picture, but I don't remember anything in particular. He's like a young, goofy kid. Yeah, we were all young, goofy kids. I think. I think Casey might have been the one who was mostly in charge of game checkout. Hmm. Okay. And then, okay, previous issue, we have Dan Pelletier. Uh, Dan, actually, I think he was my lead um, hmm. for, like, the middle year I was there. Okay. Joel Niedrich. No, I don't remember Joel at all. Lawrence Dunnigan. Mm, again, we we'll have to say no. Andrew Kreischer. Andrew sounds familiar, but again, I can't remember. Okay. Um, back another issue. We have Eli Wolf. Um, I remember Eli. Um, mostly he was really, really tall. Is he wearing all in black? No, he's wearing like a sweater with like a okay. blue shirt underneath. I don't know why we wore sweaters so much. It was actually kind of cold. Um, well, he's in Seattle, right? So, yeah, well, I mean, look, 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 look at Sir Mix a lot. In summer, <laughs> he's wearing a big fur coat. I mean, look at look was, put him on the glass. All the women are in he, bikinis. He's, he's got really, like really two cool. fur coats on. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's let's What's let's finish up like this issue and then uh, right. it is partly cloudy every day. <laughs> All right. All right. Hold on. I got more to go to. Come yeah. couple more here. Brian Austin. Okay. I don't remember Brian. Sorry. Sam Kujath. Sam Kujath was one Sam of the Kujath. most awesome guys. Um, like 
ever. I loved Sam. He was big and friendly, and he he was just a really really nice guy. Um, mm-hmm. And I he's I think he stayed after I left. I don't he, I don't think he's still there now, but um, he was just a big friendly guy. Um, so I would, I would say that I wish that I was friends with Sam today, but uh, I'm not mm-hmm. friends with Sam today. Um, although now I should go back to all the Nintendo power issues and see, you know, who's <laughs> who's still alive and on Facebook and try and be their friends. Yeah, because Facebook yeah. Facebook friends it's are like the your, new friends. Uh, your book, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sad but true. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, just before we continue with the counselors. I, I just looked at yours, and what was the Aardvarks hobby again? Like, did you, like, study them or collect them? or? The, no, it was the Cerberus, the Aardvark, the comic. That's what you just explained. Oh, so, yeah, Aardvarks was the comic, not the animal. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, you know, you, you, you want to you put something down that's slightly original. and um, Yeah, it's a good yeah, one. So that's... Uh, Joaquin okay. Govis. Uh, no, I don't for Joaquin... Other than, okay. like, I think he existed. Okay. Eight, more here. eight more here to go to, and I'll let you go. Eight, eight all right. more. All right, all right, all right. Joe Lockett. Nope. David Nixon. Nope. Sean McGoldrick. Um, I believe Sean passed away a couple of years ago, and he was one of those guys who really went out there. He was scuba diving and he would support animal shelters and um he hmm. was a really really awesome guy there um but you know i think he got cancer but hmm. it's i it's weird i went to his facebook feed and uh i saw that um because you know after you're dead they they don't delete you on facebook and one hmm. of our co-game counselor friends um his facebook feed is just filled up with um, so-and-so has beaten your score in this game. Challenge them back. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's really oh, like shit. painful to look at. Uh, you know? Sean, you're behind your friend, other friend's game score. You should really come back. And like, oh, my, the man is dead. <laughs> Don't promote to all of your friends. <laughs> you're well, beating their score when he's awful. dead. Uh, but, awful. you know, a lot of us were pretty competitive about scoring. So Sure. I was not uh, the best gameplay counselor, but I did finish the most games. Maybe I didn't get the best scores in those games, but I actually finished them. Huh. Okay, Eric Carlson. Um, I think he went on to become a lead, too. That's all I remember. Tony Clayton. No, I don't remember Tony. Josh Shepard. <sighs> no. Sorry. Tom Christensen. Oh, Tom was a strange man. <laughs> Very strange man. So okay. you you get Tom Tom was uh, one of the trainers and um, he in, in the beginning we were there to make game playing fun for you. All right, so you've you've been working to um, uh, you know beat Captain America for a week and you're pounding your head and you're pounding your head and you're, you're, you can't beat the last boss. So there's two ways you can go. Um, the way that I was trained, the way we started was you're like, okay, well, what have you tried? Uh-huh. Have you thought, what else could you do? And then, you know, the little nine year old's like, I don't know. Well, 
What part hurts when you hit it? Your head? Right, so where should you shoot him? I should shoot him in the head. Okay, thanks, great. I'm going to go by. As opposed to, you shoot him in the head three times. Thank you. Next call. Um, <laughs> so Tom, he would he would be like, all right, <clears throat> so where does it hurt when you shoot? Get shot. Yep, you're right. You should try that. Now, once you do that, I want you to sit back, put your feet up, eat a big slice of apple pie, big, drink a big glass of milk. Just reward yourself for having done a great job. Like pretty much you'd hear like every call after you beat this guy, you need to have a big slice of apple pie and a tall, cold glass of milk. That's um, funny. And, and, you know, it wasn't our job. Because, you know, if I just tell you, you know, you hit him in the head three times, you'd be like, oh, so. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Makes sense. But but, yeah. but if I lead you to the answer, you know, if, if, uh. if I help you realize the answer, then you'll be like, oh, my God. We're both geniuses together, as opposed to, oh, fuck. And that's really something I feel like the internet has really killed in video games, is that the Mm. first time you get stuck, you just go online and look it up. Mm. Oh, so the answer to the riddle is dust bunnies. Okay, well, I'll just type that in. All right, now I'm on to the next thing. So I think that's one of the things that the internet's really actually made harder um, Mm. for gameplay, is that you don't... I mean, unless you're really perverse, you're not going to stick at it. Um, <laughs> you're not going to try everything. I, 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 I don't just, know. Ben, you want to chip in? Yeah, I just wonder if that guy gave, like, tell everybody to eat an apple pie because, like, he owns stock in a local orchard. <laughs> Maybe. Don't know. Yeah. You know, but, you might uh, want to reward yourself with a nice <laughs> apple pie from Big Apple on 262 <laughs> Orchard Road. And <laughs> tell him Tom sent you. Tom Thompson. All right, who, who else have you got? All right, last guy here, and I'll stop bugging you. Uh, Caesar Falori. Oh no, Caesar's the one who was in it in Pearl Jam. Um, Caesar and somebody else came to the Halloween. Came to work on Halloween dressed as nuns one year. It was really very disturbing. Um, but Caesar was like that cool guy. He's like the Fonz, that cool guy in school that you know you yeah, always wanted to be cool. friends with. But Caesar was totally cool. Um, he was, I got, he was definitely. I found my own. Uh, I wanted to ask about uh, Michael Vetch because he's got in this picture, he's got a reverse Hitler going on. And I wanted to know, like, <laughs> it's a soul that patch, kind of thing, or did he look like that? I, I, I couldn't remember. I have to, I'd have to look at the picture. Sorry. Um, but pretty much yeah, everybody looked a, exactly the way their pictures were taken. Uh, Robert Johnson. He looks like he should have worked for the uh, the Geico caveman ads because he's rocking a unibrow, scraggly hair. It's like this guy, like, like he must have you know, a, a family religion that's against razors. We hire them for their voice and their knowledge. We don't hire them for their good looks. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of them have the have the either molestache or they've got a mullet, super mullet going on in a lot of these. It was I mean, I get that 1990, it's like 1990s, I mean. but. They're not like good looking ones, though. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, what prompts you to have a mustache and then just, just shave right under your nose? Okay. So you've got the reverse Hitler. <laughs> the, w- the way it goes is you're there, and then they come to you and they say, hey, it's time to take your picture for Nintendo Power. Like, <laughs> I didn't quit. Work looking at Pennington, <laughs> give me a coat. I didn't come in to be seen today. <laughs> right. That's pretty much it. So. 
Yeah, yeah that's kind of what I figured. Some of them look right. good, though. Like we're looking at Gail Weiler, and uh, yeah. uh, she looks like Cindy Lauper. Yeah, look well, a- <laughs> good Cindy Lauper. Yeah, good. Yes, I see. Um, I, now a lot of these people, you know, you can go on YouTube and you can look up gameplay counselors or whatnot, and you'll see there there are videos of us out there. Um, oh. Being on, being interviewed or whatnot. Um, I'm talking about Dragon Warrior for some reason, but no, nice. Right, so, so I, I would be remiss if I didn't give you two to- two stories before I go. Um, right. w- one is how incredibly cool I am, and then the other one is how incredibly lame I am. So, um, I'm answering a question on Battletoads, and the guy is like trying to get to the end. And so, we all had standard office chairs, didn't have arms or anything. And um, unbeknownst to me, my my boss is um, he's, he's monitoring the call. That's what they do. And he's in the same cubicle row as me. And so I'm sitting there and I'm, he's like, well, so, you know, how do I how do I get past the turbo shaft? And I lean back in my chair and the back of my chair snaps off. <laughs> and I literally fly backwards. My ass is still in the chair. My feet are sticking straight up. And my my back is flat on the back. And I'm like looking up at the ceiling. And it was a loud bang. And people run over. And I'm like, well, the turbo shaft is a tricky level. I'm going to get a map. Let me put you on hold just for a second. And I'm waving at one of my friends. Put the damn phone on hold because I can't reach it because it's like 10 feet away from me now. It's like put on hold. Um, so, you know, they, they run over and they push hold. Um, and I sit my chair back up. I come back. I answer the call. And my my supervisor came by over and said, you know, Llewellyn, that was the coolest thing. I was listening to you. And I heard a loud bang in the middle of you talking. And I didn't even look over because your voice didn't change. <laughs> That's funny. So, you that know, was, Llewellyn, was... you're a professional, and I see you having a long future here at Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> so, With that um, work ethic, you're going to be here for years. You're be here for years. So, um, you know, in, I think, Volume 27 is, what is this? I can't remember what month this was. August. August 91. So, it's mm-hmm. it's August, and my issue Nintendo Power is out. All right, so, so Mike... Let me ask you, did your parents own an RV? Nope. Okay. If your parents had owned an RV and had gone on a cross-country trip and you happened to be going through Redmond, Washington, what would you have asked your parents to do? Take me to Nintendo Power. You would not be the only one. RVs would pull up in the summertime two or three times a month. And the, the, you know, parents would be like all right come on come on tv come on and they'd go inside like, hi this is you know so you'd be like hi hi i'm so excited to be here at nintendo um um can i talk to some gameplay counselor can i see some stuff can i have a tour please they'd be like oh yeah sure kid come on and they'd call tim hey, you want to see down. like pictures of mario on the wall or yeah yeah and you'd, you'd call tim cast down and tim would come down and he'd be like all right well let me show you you know it's nothing really exciting you know designing computer games is not like making stuff but I will take you around. And, um, you know, Tim would usually bring him by my desk because I could answer arcane questions or whatnot. And um, the kid would get a free issue of Nintendo Power. And so Tim and this this guy and his kid come up and 
the kid's really excited to be he's looking around at all the game counselors and i'm wearing my my red nintendo jacket and um he's asking me questions and i'm like hey well you want to do this and it's really great that you came i hope you enjoy playing nintendo stuff and and he's looking through the issue and he's like oh my god this is your picture right here in 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 the nintendo power magazine this is you like yeah yeah it is Will you autograph it for me? And I'm like, all right. <laughs> you bet, kid. Let me just autograph this page for you. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, to, happy to do that. So I autograph the page. Kid, kid goes away. And, um, you know, a few weeks later, um, Tim comes by. Uh, yeah, page 43. Tim comes by, and he's got this woman and this um, this kid, like 12, 13, something, and uh, like a 12, 13-year-old girl. And they look really bored. I and mean, they're not, you know, having a good, they're, they're not like, you know, super pumped. These kids did not drive from Albuquerque or Florida to come to Nintendo. They're just like coming through. And, um, and so, you know, he's like, well, do you have any questions about games? The kid's like, oh, really? well, how about Dragon War? Here, look, and, and I could pull up a map of the dungeon, which in 1991, using a computer to pull up a map of a dungeon from Dragon Warrior is a big thing. They're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I was like, hey, I see you've got my issue Nintendo Power there. Uh, you know, I, I'm in there. You want me to autograph that for you? And Tim, like, grabs onto the cubicle wall and is, you could tell he's trying not to fall down from laughing so hard. And the kid's <laughs> like, no, I, I'm cool. It's all right. So they go away. I don't think anything more of it. Tim comes back and is like, what? What? Do you know who that was? No, I don't know that one. That was Eddie Furlong from Terminator 2. He knows Arnold Schwarzenegger. He does not need your autograph. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Eddie was in town shooting American Heart with uh, with Bo Bridges, and you know, I don't, I I think that they paid him for the interview that happens later in this issue. Um, mm -hmm. And so he came to Nintendo to do the interview. I will tell you where he says he's a really outgoing, exciting kid. No, that's a lie. That kid was so shy and so quiet. But it was the two kid stars of the movie, and they were not excited to be at Nintendo. But, yeah, I learned a lot of humility that day. That's funny. <laughs> well, I that, mean, that I will kid. say, my I was one of those kids that showed up at Nintendo. Uh, I think it was probably either... Sometimes between 92 and 94, but we uh -huh. didn't go inside. I just got my picture took, taken out in front of the sign, you know, in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. We were in town visiting Seattle, pretty much. Yep. You were not the only one. I'm so. sure I wasn't. I was so excited, yep. though. <laughs> just, think, just think, if only you showed a little bit of ambition, you could have got his autograph. I know. Uh, right? You would have uh, made his day. I know. He would have been, been two awesome. for three. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, Mike, you're a bad man. All right, well, I want to thank you guys for reaching out to me, and I hope that you get lots of other Nintendo Gameplay counselors, and I think it's an awesome podcast, and I think that absolutely everyone hearing these words should immediately go to iTunes and write a lengthy review, and also go to Patreon and give really as much money as you spent the last time you bought a video game, because it's only through high-quality journalistic integrity like this that you know uh, these two guys are doing that we can really advance the study and science mm. of nintendo it, it it costs money to do the minutes of research that we do to bring <laughs> yes information to the masses 
And, well, and I don't remember, think we could have paid for a better. Uh, <laughs> don't for don't better pirate Nintendo Power, Power magazines. Go to the interwebs and buy a used copy. If you love Nintendo Power, you should buy a paper copy because it's just when it, mm. you smell it. Oh, that's the good stuff. Yeah, because, you know, right. we put a little crack cocaine in every issue. Yeah. So <laughs> that's why the pages stay white. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys go. I'm going to take off. You guys have a great day, and I look forward to listening to uh, You're going to cut out all the naughty bits, right? Uh, well, we don't have 10% of the <laughs> podcast, but, you know, sure, we'll do what we can. Oh, well, maybe we'll leave some of the naughty bits. All right. You guys have an amazing day. All right. Uh, we'll let you know. Thanks day, so much, Lauren. And, take care. Take care. Um, we will. I look forward to listening uh, thanks, to it. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Take care. All right, Mike. You want to pick us up where we left off on uh, Super Mario Adventures? That that was, that was just prime. That was just beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what we'll what the slave is clipped by him selling the selling the podcast review. <laughs> we use it over and over. <laughs> we got yeah, definitely got to have that as like the introduction to you know we need to replace the Nintendo Power intro with that. Mm-hmm. Like get the power, screw that. Just have him in that in that beautiful tone, just shilling for us. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Love it. So, uh, we take off from where we left off on the Super Mario Adventures, where we get to see a tall, starry spire with thorns all around it. Like, not often you see a building with a collar, but, you know, kudos on them. And you got these two windows that are shaped like, I don't know, like a lopsided bee, or maybe eyes. And the tower has a pretty pink bow on it, because, you know, why not? And it says, last month, Princess Toadstool was hot-footing it through the desert in pursuit of Bowser. And Mario and Luigi rode Yoshi to Yoshi's village, where friendly Floyd, the traveling salesman, took them for a ride of a different kind. Then they learned about the bad news about the princess. Kidnapped again. And then we get to see the Koopalings all playing the uh, playing a Bowser game, where you get to be Bowser. Even with a Superman logo and a cape, stomping on a horde of Mario's. And then doing the turtle trick of kicking a bunch of them to get a one-up. And the thing is, we get to see all six. We get to see six of the Koopalings, but we don't get to see Wendy Koopa playing, which, you know, concerns me because, you know, we'd like to see girl gamers. And, you know, it sounds like they, it's like oh, something only boys are into. You know, that's bullshit. We know that girls are into gaming. At least like 2% of them are. And so we get to see Luigi, uh, Ludwig von Koopa, holding a controller after hearing the uh, one-up chime saying, that's music to my ears. But then the, then the video game glitches out, and then we get to see Bowser uh, mugging for the camera, and he's like, listen up! What? I told your kids to keep this video line open! What? And then they're laughing at him. What an ugly mug. And he goes, shut up, this is serious. I've done a mighty fine job of raising you kids, but I've been thinking you need a mother. So I have proposed to Princess Toadstool. Excuse me, sir. I have a model of your wedding cake. Well, let me see it. And we get to see a friggin' amazing cake. I I mean, if if I ever had a... uh, a wedding or something, I would like a like a slightly smaller version of this. 
because it looks fantastic. It's like one, it's like seven layers, and some are held up by warp pipes that are dripping with frosting, with <laughs> with mushrooms and a big turtle on top with a fan on top. And this is just like a, a, a sweet ass cake. Now this kind does of does Princess Peach jump out of it? <laughs> and now, is she naked? Uh, in my dreams. Oh. I mean, like that's where all the whipped cream is for, so that she can be like barely covered, <laughs> up, like barely photogenic. Yep. And uh, I don't know why, but we, they seem to be following the the line of that uh, the line of logic that the Koopalings are his children, even though we've established later on that the Koopalings are not his sons. They're just, uh, I guess, juvenile delinquents that he's picked up off the streets hmm. and brought to his employment. So we see. Now, this is just a demonstration cake. The real cake will be twice as big with lots of chocolate. But Bowser says, I want it to be a hundred times bigger. You know, never mind the fact that cake and frosting only have a, uh, a limited structural integrity. But at that point, it's just going to be like a big floppy, like, how are you going to slice that cake? But Bowser doesn't uh, care about facts, because according to him, as we established in the Zelda episode, ignorance is bliss. And so he says, I'm very busy. Make sure my bride doesn't disappear before the big day, okay? And then we get to see the kids turned off the inputs on the TV, and they're back to playing Super Cooper Brothers. And then Bowser's face smashes through the glass, <laughs> screaming, Did you hear me? This is, <laughs> this is beautifully <laughs> drawn. He's got like the, uh, you know, the anime cross on his face, which lets you know that that's a vein popping out. Hmm. And the Koopas are sent flying, glasses flying. Like he is not just he's not just sticking his face through the TV. He is literally shoving his face through the glass. It is exploding everywhere. <laughs> and then we see the Koopas all laid out on the ground in shock, just staring up at the ceiling while the TV is crumpled over with a Band-Aid on it. <laughs> you know that the, that the TV needs a Band-Aid. It's pretty hilarious. And then we get to see one of the Koopalings, uh, Iggy. He's, uh, his hair spiky, so he got sent upside down and his hair is stuck in the ground. But uh, then they say the princess is safely behind bars. And then we see the cell is empty. And I don't know why the cell, this cell is very thorough. And not only is it got uh, an iron bar with a chain locked around it and then a lock through the chain... But then we've got wooden, like, wooden nails boarded through the iron bars. Like, there's no way she's getting out. Except they look and find the cage is empty. So they say she's gone. They open up the cage to find out where she could have been. And then we see her doing an amazing ninja routine where she's, like, holding herself up in the corner. And I, I gotta say, I friggin', I've got a major crush on this Princess Peach. Like, not just, <laughs> not only does she look great... But she is a kick-ass bitch. Like th this is respectable. It's like it's like she may be captured, but damn it, she's gonna make you earn it. She's not like, oh, I, oh, I gotta like be careful away from Mario. She's like, fuck Mario, I'm gonna get out myself. So she descends upon the Koopalings and gives them a roundhouse, sending five of them flying, and somehow manages to keep her dress down without exposing her frilly undies. Although I bet when it, when she drops on top of Iggy, I bet he, at least he can answer what's under that, that frilly dress. Of course, he doesn't have time to remember it because she immediately roundhouses him. And then she runs out the door, locks them all up, and says, Fooling you, Koopalings, is too easy. 
Let's make a deal. And then she turns around, hasta la vista, babies. So we got that Terminator 2 reference already. And then uh, we find out she's escaping, but then we find out where Wendy has been. She has been assembling an army because she knows that her brothers are a bunch of freaking idiots. And so she orders her troops to attack the princess. And that's the last we see of her for a bit. And I kind of feel upset because Princess Peach is doing a great job of rescuing herself. Like, this is a <laughs> this is a really good comic. And then we see Bowser and Luigi and Yoshi and the Toad Commander uh, looking at the tower through the bushes. And they realize that that's where uh, they're holding her. The guy says, I saw them. T- I saw them take her in there. So they have to realize there's a boat. And then Mario just says, hey, who needs a boat? Come on, let's swim. And Luigi starts crying, I can't swim. And then, Lu- and then Mario jumps in and, uh, well, then we get to find out what's inside. He screams, piranhas! And his shoe is being bitten by a skeleton fish. He's also got a, uh, a, spiky, a spiky urchin and a porcupuffer both in his ass, like one in each cheek. <laughs> And he ends up uh, jumping back across the water and we get to see a nice shot of what's under the water. And essentially, instead of a, uh, a bed of mud and seaweed, it's just bones and urchins and puffer fish. Like Bowser doesn't. Gr- Bowser's did a great job with this mode. And then uh, Mario says, well, on to plan B. Then Luigi says, codename survival. <laughs> and then we run back to Princess Peach. Uh, you know, for a woman in a wide dress and uh, high heels, she's doing a great job of outrunning this army. So we even got the, like the sound effect of the army behind her. Like this is a this is a really good comic. I I, I can't say enough good about this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so she's running up the stairs, but she's getting winded. So then she runs up to a room with a frilly pink door on it. So we all know it belongs to Wendy. And they get to see this nice room with a uh, with an upside down turtle table, with the spikes for the legs, and uh, I I kind of wish that I had something like that because, you know, it, it'd be it would be a great centerpiece, like a nice spiky turtle shell table. And so she, the troops run into the room, and Princess Peach immediately starts throwing everything she can—pillows, cups, even the damn—she even throws the table itself. And smashes a Koopa Trooper with it. And then Princess, and then Wendy's just like, stop! No, that's my favorite! And then Princess Peach is holding her shirt hostage. (laughs) And says, stay back or I'll shred it. And then Wendy's like, no, let her go! (laughs) And then the Koopas finally come out and they reveal one Koopa Trooper holding the key in the lock, letting you know that that's how they got out. And then Roy charges at her and says, like, we have you now, right, Mom? And, and so, so then Princess Peach grabs the yellow cape and immediately does a bullfighting routine and goes, ole, and runs Roy through a wall. And then uh, Wendy says, that cape, where? Me join this family? Never. She opens up a window in a spectacular scene with her hair blowing, the cape catching the wind. Like, oh my gosh, this is just epic Princess Peach. Like, she is kick-ass, hot bitch in charge. Who needs Mario? She's taking care of it herself. 
And then she looks at the tower and sees that she's on the very top floor. She can't survive a fall, but the troopa, the Koopalings charge at her anyway. She backs up and falls off the cape, falls off the bridge with the yellow cape. Now, as gamers, we know what that cape is capable of, but I guess in this world, it's uh, she's going to find that out. Or she dies, and then the rest of the issue get, takes a very dark turn. Yeah. And that, uh, then we see Mario and Luigi peeling the corner of the page, saying she sure stole the spotlight this month. Break a leg, princess. And we gotta say, this, uh, this is probably gonna be, like, one of the best... Like, I can't imagine it being this good all the time. Princess Yeah, Peach it's pretty good. Ass. Yeah, she's kicking ass, looking hot. This is... This is some quality comic. Mm, get her... Get her room, why don't you? <laughs> so... All right. You get to see that voice. Oh, Mike. Okay. Now it's it's getting creepy. Hey, baby, you can get my one up. All right. So speaking of getting a one up, let's get a (laughs) one update on Super (laughs) NES technology for the (laughs) CD-ROM. So we've got a whole section here that is uh, very interesting and bizarre given the history that we now know. So... There's a whole article in here in Isn't Power that's talking about um, CD-ROM technology. It's talking about how at the uh, Winter CES in Las Vegas, Nintendo announced that a CD-ROM drive would be available for use for the Super NES and introduced to the public in January of 1993. So this is, what, April of 92? And they're saying it's going to be out by January of the following year. Uh, They also say that it's going to cost $200. Um, they also say they've got games in development. Um, so this is um, intended to be a peripheral update to your system that will plug into the, um, I forget what it's called, expansion port on the bottom of your Super NES. And uh, you'll have special games that can use it. So they're talking about uh, what the games will be like. Well, they'll use full motion video for one. And a full they nine megs to, of RAM. Yeah, they're, they can... Uh, uh, so they have like a, a picture of like a set photo from RoboCop saying, with CD-ROM, games based on movies like RoboCop may well use actual footage and full motion video sequences. It talks about the capacity. Um, it says, with 500 megabytes of information, you could store more than 1,000 games the size of Super Mario World on a single disc. Um, so... Um, then they talk about, uh, they have lots of screenshots of apparently a game in development called Guest, which looks like you're looking at a haunted house that is sort of like a, it looks like an old school 3D, early 90s, um, a style 3D, I think like Lawnmower Man and, type and, uh, 3D and just, quality. Yeah, before we go, a quick math correction for yeah. 1,000 sized game, for 1,000 four meg games. <laughs> would be four gigs so we're talking a dvd not a cd well megabits is different from megabytes mike frick (laughs) gotcha Uh, um i still think the math works out though i think they're i think they're full of it um they say like more than what they did one thing they did get right was a cd-rom can store more than 500 megabytes of information well yeah it stores 700 we all know that when we use we, like we know, 650 or 700, depending on what kind you get. Yeah. And we get to see like... Uh, maybe the early ones were 500, you know? They try to give us like a comparison saying that like we can... Uh, like the Philips... Also, Philips itself developed the CD. 
Well, you think when they made a CD-based game that the, being the Masters, it would have taken off. But Yeah, so they have a picture here of Philips CDI system. Uh, and it's like, hey, take a look at this one. And it has a TV. It's got uh, stereo speakers. It's got the CDI system. And then it's like, ours will be similar to this, but we'll plug into the Super NES. <coughs> so, and then they have pictures of this game again. Um, they've got like a semi-holographic actress against a 3D background. It's a basic point-and-click adventure game. So I don't know if this game was actually ever released for anything Nest? else. Yeah. Hmm. Have you heard of it? Uh, no, but I can wiki it right now. Oh, all right. So um, for anyone that doesn't know, is I will kind of give you an update on what happened here. So initially what happened with this is I believe they first tried to partner with um, Philips. Uh, yeah. So Nintendo first tried to partner with Philips for the CDM technology for their for their update, their attachment. Um, and I think the reason why they were getting into this is their their competition um, on the Sega side was getting into this. They released the uh, Sega CD, Sega 32X. Um, so they're trying to get ahead of the of the technology curve here and extend the life of the Super NES to match that competition. So anyways, they try to get into a deal with Philips um, and uh, to create this peripheral. And they actually went so far as to have contracts drawn up and all kinds of negotiations and whatnot just to drop them out um, at like no, no warning basically, and essentially breach their contract that they made with Philips and attempt to, to, uh, work with Sony instead for whatever reason. So they got into an arrangement with Sony where they were going to work with Sony to create the, um, Nintendo PlayStation is what they were going to call it. And it would be a super Nintendo, um, slash, um, uh, CD, uh, combination, so it'll play both Super Nintendo games and Super Nintendo CDs, basically. And uh, it was long fabled as a rumor, and if you've looked around the internet recently, a actual working prototype has has surfaced where the it's Nintendo a Nintendo PlayStation. Yes. The Nintendo PlayStation. It has the branding on it. It plays both Super Famicom and Super Nintendo games. Um, there were never any games developed for the. Um, Nintendo PlayStation, so they have a like a demo disc, I think, right? That works, or they can get into like the debug mode of it. So it was working, and it was a prototype that was essentially um, shown around, ready to be shipped. Well, Nintendo decided to back out of that one altogether as well. So what did Sony do? Well, they decided to go ahead and create the PlayStation, which was obviously a competitor to Nintendo's interests. And now, of course. Sony has their PlayStation 4. It's uh, it's the biggest selling console on the market right now. They were they also had the market leadership for um, PlayStation 2 during that console generation, uh, and so on and so forth. So we know the future of Sony. We know what happened with that relationship. So what happened with Philips? Well, Philips uh, instead of creating. Uh, a success out of this and going, hey, we're going to create our own uh, video game system instead. Screw you guys. We have this Philips CDI system. They um, decided to take Nintendo to court over this and they won. And one of the things they won was the rights to use Nintendo's characters in creating video games. 
So what they didn't win was the uh, ability for Nintendo to actually create those games. So there are some very rare to find uh, to find games out there, um, which are I think there's three games created. There's one Zelda one and two Mario ones, I believe. No, there's two Zelda around. ones. Two Zelda ones and one Mario one. And um, they're like point and click adventure games, essentially. And they are awful. Um, so they are legitimately used. Um, they won the lawsuit. They could use the characters, but obviously they, they hired whoever else to develop these games for them. And they are just god awful games. If you want to look at some horrible animations, some horrible illustration, horrible voice acting. Yes, there's voice acting in it. Uh, most bizarre of worlds. Uh, go oh, find this, a clip on YouTube. Oh, the scene where Link and uh, Zelda are laughing. And you can see like that old guy with like uh, that squiggle vision going on. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, it's like the night, it's like a nightmare episode of Dr. Katz. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So uh, obviously Philips CDI did not um, do terribly well. It was expensive, limited in, in, in power and uh, didn't take off. Um, so that died uh, a quick death and those games have lived on in infamy and of course Nintendo uh, held steadfast and for whatever reason decided to not make a disc based game until the GameCube when they finally gave in Um, and now there's rumor that they're going to go back to cartridges with their next console the Nintendo NX which is rumored to be released or announced uh, next year anyways so did you find any more about this our game here guest uh, no, I'm just uh, a bunch of different other things, like something about Secret of Mana. Because <laughs> apparently there was supposed to be a Zelda a CD expansion, apparently. Well, and we kind of mentioned this in another episode, um, but I'll mention it again. So um, Square was in develop- heavy development at this time for Final Fantasy VII. Um, and they originally had intended to release it on the Super Nintendo and um, when that didn't pan out, or when they got uh, further in development, and um, they they thought that thought about porting over to the N sixty four, so they started developing for the N sixty four, and then they realized, hey, we want to take advantage of this full motion video thing, so then they switched to developing it for the PlayStation one, and so Final Fantasy seven is on PlayStation and nothing else, and that's why. Hmm. Well, yeah, I'm looking at Secret of Mana for Escapist Magazine article, and mm-hmm. it says that uh, there was the SNES version scrapped the names of the characters that you originally meet. Hmm. And it says that Secret of Mana was originally designed to be released on the in North America via the NES CD add-on. Near the end of development, that deal between Nintendo and Sony fell through, with Sony deciding to develop the SNES CD into the PlayStation the designed game was salvaged by cutting a significant amount of data to make it fit on an SNES cartridge, and a large portion of the story script was cut after a certain point, as well as a few mini-games and sprites. Various different routes which would lead to different endings were removed and substituted with linear gameplay. The designer, Koichi Ishii, estimated 40% of this game's content was cut. Oh my gosh. And producer Hiromichi Tanaka stated that the original storyline had a darker tone. Due to drastic cuts, there was virtually zero character development remaining. Wow. That actually breaks my heart because I actually love that game. The way and there's so much more. 
Yeah, considering we there was another forty percent that we're missing out on. Yeah, mini games, a story oh, like the goodness. story was great, but the characters just seemed like, well, oh, this is how you're going to make this story happen. But you know, right. these characters actually had like lives and multiple endings. Think about that. You could have had a game where you get to save the sprite at the end rather than like, well, now she's part of the mana tree. Or he's right. part of the mana tree. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I mean, Z- Nintendo, you fucked up so badly. <laughs> you did. They created, yeah, this is a they, really, they, they uh, root, you know. They made, a good, they, kept, they made a great game, a good game, and they created their biggest competition ever. So, they really did. You know, it, it just makes you wonder. I mean, because this is obviously a huge misstep for Nintendo and probably the first one they made uh, ever, honestly, as far as a big misstep goes, aside from a couple of miscellaneous peripherals, you know, yeah. this is their first major misstep that would that would cause them to <laughs> lose the market share. <laughs> Endless ramifications. Right. I mean, uh, you know, you wonder if what would have happened if they had just not. Uh, tried to build a CD-based game whatsoever? Would Sony have even tried to build the PlayStation on its own? Or yeah, they don't was it be because making, uh, of the Nintendo shit. partnership that they got into this? You know? Yeah, they'd only be making VCRs and shit. The Walkman. Yeah. Two th- the Walkman 2000. <laughs> All right. So, that's that's. I think I pretty much covered it pretty well there. Um, yeah, I can't find anything about guests. I ended up getting Secret of Mana instead. So, uh, it looks like this prototype never saw the light of day. I kept getting seventh guest. Hmm. If you guys want more information about um, the Nintendo PlayStation, I highly recommend looking up Ben Hex's uh, YouTube channel. And Not uh, our he, Ben. Not our Ben. Not me. Different guy. Uh, guy's awesome. He creates a ton, ton of... Um, of hardware mods and and uh, he and, created uh, a game called Super Boss Gaiden made for this system. So that means that we may soon <laughs> get an SNES emulator, <laughs> a Super Nintendo CD emulator, and who knows? Maybe we can start making that. Fi- maybe we can start making that Secret of Mana expansion before getting slammed by a cease and desist order. Maybe. So, anyways, look up Ben Hex's uh, channel. That, yeah, the key yes. to avoiding that is not announcing it until it's done. That's right, and release it, release it everywhere, so there's not one place they can shut it down. Right, <laughs> that's right. Um, so, anyways, look up Ben Hex's YouTube channel and look for the teardown on uh, the Nintendo PlayStation. It's pretty interesting, and he actually takes it from not completely non-functional to fully functional. Oh, you want to see a complete um, timeline? There's also. Uh, emu.gbxemu.com and uh, previews slash Nintendo SNES CD-ROM. You get to see the entire timeline from 1991 to the middle of 1993 to where it all, like, these are where all the steps are made and it all goes bad. Mm, nice. All right. And it, ends um, w- and it ends with a quote from Nintendo Power saying, the next time when someone tells you that CD-ROM is the wave of the future, tell them the future doesn't belong to the snails. What? I guess because CDs are faster. <laughs> or oh, because then they don't load fast. Is that why? Uh, That's funny. I know, maybe uh, that may that may have been that may have been them gloating over like, well, we don't need these CDs because who needs load times? Our our people don't want graphics; they want to play games. Right. All right. So let's move on here to uh, Counselor's Corner. We've got uh, Eric Bush talking about uh, Final Fantasy II. 
Oh, the end of this article you missed. The Super NES CD-ROM will open up great new worlds of fun, and it's just around the corner. Yeah, right. Oh, Liars. Oh, no, Nintendo, no, no. So we got uh, Counselor's Corner, the, uh, the, uh, we got the, the information-free counselors. We got Eric Bush, who, I mean, he looks like he's, like, modeling for a boy band cover. <laughs> like, it looks like his hair's tussled and blowing in the wind, and he's just, like, giving, like, a bit of teeth in that smile, but not a smile. It's, like, just, like, mm. a resting face showing some teeth, and he's just like, hey, girl. <laughs> Nice. Okay. Then we got Terry Munson talking about Super Mario World. This guy belongs in a uh, um, J. Crew commercial. <laughs> yep. And uh, we're asking, like, where's the secret island? Where's the secret exit in Chocolate Island? And then we get to uh, see, how do I find all 96 worlds? You can defeat Bowser without visiting them all. If you missed a world, here's what to do. Make sure you found the secret exits. I'm pretty sure he was asking about how to find those secret exits because obviously that's how you find that's obviously how you get to places and it says if an area is marked with a red dot there's two exits I'm pretty sure in the forest of illusion there may be a third or fourth you know but uh, yeah almost yeah everything in the forest of illusion has secret areas and nice. it says in, in Bowser's world you want to make sure you go through all the pipes mm-hmm and I can see Final Fantasy Adventure with a guy, Melvin Forrest. Yeah. This guy is either uh, gay or not straight. <laughs> yeah, he is He is very, uh, I mean, like, very fluttery in his, in his appearance. And yeah. then we finally end with uh, Richard Hamm. You know, you go through life with the name Dick Ham. <laughs> that's a porn name right there. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, so moving on to the Adams Family for the Super Nintendo. I get to see Raul Julia saying he seems to have lost his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, your family lost you, but. Oh. <laughs> So, what is this? Oh, it's a platformer you play as uh, Gomez Adams. So, is this not after the movie? It's just... It's a, I guess it's supposed to be in that world because you do get to see uh, Christopher Lloyd as Fez in the, in the background. Yeah, I mean, you see pictures from the movie, the first movie, but um, it has nothing to do... This game has nothing to do with the storyline. Yeah, so. it seems like, uh, yeah, well, Gomez has lost everybody in his family, whereas in the movie, it was just Uncle Fester who was lost to the family. Mm-hmm. I so, gotta see that movie again. See, I gotta I, see if it holds up. I saw it recently. It's odd. It does, it's kind of holds up? The, the whole, um, the bad guys, the, um, klutzy guy, Attorney, and then yeah. the the mother, quote unquote. Yeah, the guys that bring Uncle Fester back to the family. Yeah, they're just they're way overacting, you know. Um, so the parts with them are a little grating because they just smack of that, uh, you know, early '90s, late '80s. Like the kids over, overacting. 
the kid yeah, villain, the, where it's just like I'm villain. gonna, I'm gonna destroy <laughs> music. Yeah, it's it may as well be like the third, you know, uh, the Three Stooges kind of thing. But as far as like everybody else, um, I enjoy everyone else in it. I did not enjoy Christopher Lloyd as um, Fester in most in most of the movie, just because like they put him in this situation where he has amnesia, you know, and so like he's either acting like this weird stepson character or he's actually acting like Fester. When he's acting like Fester. He's great in there, you know, but it's like the same same issue I had with the with the other bad guys kind of thing. It's just so kind of cartoony and and uh, eye roll eye roll worthy, you know. The kid the kid bad guys. Anyway, so it looks like your standard platformer um, in here. Not a whole lot to say. Um, it looks decent. I'm trying to figure out who made it here. From Ocean, yeah. They have a lot of coverages that just show like maps of this whole game, basically. Interesting bosses like the Big Bird. They basically yeah. like jump on his head, so it's a Mario boss. And, and then the, the Snowman. Is, yeah, the art is like kind of cartoony almost. Yeah, like it doesn't look it. realistic. Yeah, it looks family friendly, fun. Um. And you called it. They do have like a, in the actual game. If you look at the the back of the the poster fold out, you see Christopher Lloyd. Uh, he's actually in a painting in the game, and it looks like they have pictures of Real Julia and I can't remember Angelica. What's her last name? Houston. Houston. Thank you. And they have Lurch in there. And by the way, dude, I listened to that the one that I wasn't on. Where you were like talking about um, uh, Christina Ricci? Yeah. Oh my god! When I was when I was the age of when that movie came out, I had a major crush on her, and uh, that like extended for me into you know because it was the same age as her pretty much, so that extended for me like well into adulthood. Oh know? yeah, she she's still cute. Yeah. Oh, like anytime I see like, you know, something pop up where it's like Christina Ricci topless in this new movie. I'm like, oh, must go find, must go find, you know. Yep. <laughs> yeah, she's adorable. Yeah. All right. So next up, we got a fold out poster for Street Fighter 2, which is an awesome poster. It's a really nice comic book style illustration of all the different uh, fighters from Street Fighter 2 going at it on sort of a mountainscape. <laughs> With the Zang- city in the background. <laughs> Zangief is getting double teamed by Dulcim and Blanca. Yeah. And all, and all he has is his clothed cock to protect him. <laughs> yeah. That's a weird shading they put on his uh, gr- groin area. It yeah, just he, looks like, like yeah, he has like see a, a tiny bulge. piece. Yeah, you can see some <laughs> bulging in there. But uh, yeah. did Zangief have a mohawk? Um, I thought he did. Okay, you see, it looks like Mr. T in this one, but... Maybe there was... I think it's a little higher than it should be. I don't remember it being that high. And then we're missing... We actually are missing M. Bison on here. Yeah, well, they're all waiting for their shot to take on M. Bison. True, I'm just saying normally you see yeah. him included. Yeah, you would see him in the background, like, waiting for the waiting for the last one standing. Right. All right. So next up, we've got Super WrestleMania Slam Bam Action. So let's dig in and see what characters they have this time for us. 
So we've still got the Macho Man, Randy Savage. We've got Jake the Snake Roberts. We've got The Undertaker. We've got Hulk Hogan. We have Hawk, Earthquake, Animal, Typhoon, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and Sid Justice. I thought it was Sid Vicious, but I guess it's Sid Justice. In this yeah, one. this is Sid Justice, and he is just completely orange. He looks more like an Oscar statue than a person. He looks completely orange in real life, so this is accurate. <laughs> yeah. The guy is like constantly glazed. I'm he looking just at, like I'm looking someone at, dip me in grease. <laughs> if I'm not greased, I'm not a man. Mm-hmm. That's right. Then we see Hawk and Animal, which were the uh, the proto juggalos. <laughs> yeah. You can tell you can tell why these guys are wearing face paint because they're not attractive for sellable. I mean, <laughs> Hawk literally has a bald, giant bald spot and a mustache. Oh my gosh! Uh, did the Juggalos come out? Like, when did ICP come out? Was it the 90s? late nineties? Late nineties. So these are proto Juggalos then. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we get to see like a completely mismatched set of. Uh, Hawk fighting Ted DiBiase. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the Million Dollar Man, right? Yep. Although he seems to have dropped the Million Dollar Man because of character limits. <laughs> yeah. They call him Ted DiBiase. So you've got a bunch of moves here that are pretty common in wrestling. Uh, you can toss people out of the ring. You can do um, tag team matches. And they have uh, Survivor Series which means um, the two-team journey isn't over until all four members of one, t- of one team have been pinned. So is it four on four? It looks like two on two, but it's confusing the way they wrote it. Yeah, I don't think they had the multi-tap out. So Yeah. So then they get into uh, the best part. They talk about each uh, of, the, of the wrestlers here. So this is interesting. I didn't think that... Uh, Macho Man was that tall compared to The Undertaker, but he apparently is 6'5 and 302 pounds. Oh my gosh. So he's a complete muscly monster and he's 6'5, 302 pounds. I didn't and think he was 6'5. I thought it was shorter than that. No, apparently, apparently everyone in wrestling is just so tall. Yep. I mean, like you, you see him in that video, <laughs> Better Than the Best, where he's shoving that woman around and apparently she must be 6'5. She must be 6' because he's only about like half a foot taller than her. Oh, that 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 video clip was just the best. Where he's like, let the mind, let the sky separate, let the ground tremble. Even if there's no bad weather, you will hear a reckoning. People talking about certain things, meaning different things to different people. When they talk about greatness, they're only talking one thing. Macho King. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. And then he throws her away. <laughs> and then he's like, you got to understand there's only one person who brings consistency into the integrity. And then he tells her to get back after he throws her away. And then she does like, that is just. Who was that, that Miss Elizabeth? Uh, no, not Miss Elizabeth. The stunning Sherry or something. Oh, uh, Okay. And she's and she's just like they're only talking one man, Macho King. Say it again, Macho King. Who's better than the best? And then she's like screaming, Macho King's better than the best. Which you know, he made her say while fucking. 
Lovely. All right. So that's Macho Man. Uh, they talk about the he's got the, the elbow drop, of course, is his move. And uh, he says, try it on Randy's arch enemy, Jake the Snake Roberts. Show Jake the Snake Roberts. Um, have you ever seen that uh, documentary Beyond the Mat? No, never heard of it. But uh, uh, I never got into wrestling. But considering how bizarre and wacky it is now, I really missed out. I, I, I should have added this to my repertoire. Yeah, I mean, I got into wrestling in uh, high school after playing, um, and we'll get to it eventually, I'm sure, WCW versus NWO for the N64. Uh, it was just so fun. I just had to learn more about the characters. Um, but anyways, uh, so I got into learning more about rest- wrestling later on. They, they came out with this um, documentary in the early 2000s called Beyond the Mat. This is not an official do- uh, WWF documentary or, or anything. So it follows three wrestlers. It follows Mick Foley, a.k.a. Mankind. It follows um, one other guy. I can't remember. Terry Terry Funk who's mostly known from like uh, indie wrestling and uh, ECW and it covers Jake the Snake Roberts um, and he's like at least in the early 2000s he's still wrestling and like it just wanted to like how like he his life was just like a complete like mess basically like he was still doing drugs on the road doing these small shows getting his body like beat up his relationships with his kids and his ex-wives and all that were awful and just like that, it, it was kind of depressing. And then they came out with that um, uh, movie with with Mickey Rourke, uh, the wrestler, a few years after that. And it was not that far off. I mean, it was pretty accurate in terms of like what what their depiction of a wrestler um, in later years was like, you know, unless you're like the top built guy kind of thing. And even for these guys, you know, it's 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 a life. But uh, anyways. So his takedown is the DDT. I don't remember what that stands for, uh, but it basically just smashes your head into the into the uh, <laughs> into the mat. <laughs> the drop um, dead takedown, I guess. But he, I guess his his thing towards the end of his career in the WWF was um, his thing was to get biblical, and he would have a Bible with him, and um, and he was he would always be like like. The quoting like John three sixteen or saying John three sixteen, right? And Let's get biblical, biblical. <laughs> so for like, um, it was one of his first major wins and entrances, or the first time he really made a splash. Stone Cold Steve Austin, he uh, for some championship I think uh, or a big pay per view, he came comes in and whoops, uh, Jake the Snake's Robert's ass. Is oh you're all about you're all about John three sixteen. Well, I'm all about Austin three sixteen, and it says I just kicked your ass. <laughs> and then for years and years, and I'm sure they still do it today. They've been holding up signs in the audience that say Austin three sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so. I was just uh, looking up a bit of history on Ted DiBiase. It's uh, quite a bit of a story. He's the biological son of a wrestler, Helen Nevins. Mm-hmm. And Ted Willis, an entertainer and singer. So his mom is the wrestler in the family. Nice. I mean, like that, 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 that's a pedigree right there. Yeah. And he's the adopted son of Iron Mike DiBiase, who was Italian. Hmm. And Michael DiBiase, again, a wrestler in his own right, 
held several championships and accomplishments. I'm not going to name all of them, but American Wrestling Association, Central State Wrestling, Championship Wrestling from Florida, NWA Chicago. So even like I guess in the uh, even even in the uh, 50s, he was part of the New World of NWA. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And it says he was in Rock and Mountain, Tri-State, Western State Sports, Pacific Northwest Wrestling. And uh, he was such a, uh, he was one of the few professional wrestlers to die during a match. Hmm. Did he really? Yep. He uh, had a fatal heart attack in the ring with Man Mountain Mike. Well, well, did it say what uh, federation this was in? Uh, well, shit. It was, it was after his WF days, I'm sure. No, this no, this was this no, no this isn't WWF. This is Michael DiBiase, not Ted DiBiase. Oh my bad. Yeah, my, Ted DiBiase is still alive, but Michael DiBiase had a fatal heart attack in the ring with Man Mountain Mike, mm. who I'm looking at him and he's basically a, a bubba. Mm. Like if you look at him, he's got like a big beard, balding, and a big fat guy in the overalls. And he died in 1988 at the age of 47 due to blood clots and diabetes. Hmm. So, uh, you know, I guess wrestling wasn't like wrestling was a harsh game. And, you know, just because you're oh, a wrestler yeah. doesn't mean you were in good physical fitness. But nope. uh, Ted DiBiase is still alive and he had he's 50, 62 years old hmm. and he headlined the 2010 WWE ceremony being inducted by his sons, Ted and Brett. Hmm. He has a son named Ted. Nice. Ted Jr. Yeah. All right, so Undertaker is in here, and uh, I can't remember his. I don't remember his move. I think he has one called like the Tombstone, where he just it's basically like a pile driver, uh, glorified pile driver kind of thing. Um, he's still wrestling, from what I remember. I mean, not like super regularly, but he's still doing it. So, and he had that. Uh, do you remember that fat guy that walked? They followed him around. Uh, oh. wait, who? Oh, the Undertaker. He had a fat guy named Paul Bearer <laughs> that wore like a ghastly makeup to make himself look like white or dead or something. Like the crow? And yeah, no, more like a vaudeville view of like a vampire or something. <laughs> and uh, he would walk around with like an urn following the Undertaker everywhere and he would like use it he would like jump in the ring sometimes and sprinkle you know, ashes in their eyes sprinkle ashes in someone else's eyes or smack him <laughs> with an urn that kind of thing oh I'm sure that I'm sure that guy's long dead but the Undertaker's still kicking it oh my gosh he, he, then, he looks pretty fierce like he looks like a, like a demon cowboy yeah <laughs> yeah he's not uh, been a big uh, talker either he's not a big talker he uses his uh, stare kind of thing his physical presence <laughs> he lets his fist do the talking mm-hmm. he's a really I mean he's 6'6 six, six. he's a tall guy um, so uh, natural disasters earthquake and typhoon I this is before my time uh, watching the, it the, these guys are peewees they're only 6 foot 2 and 1 yeah these are just big fat guys basically and I'm sure are dead by now, given that they were either 475 or 358 pounds. Oh my um, gosh, I got to look up earthquake. Hold on, uh, earthquake and typhoon. Talk about uh, the next guy. Okay, uh, next guy is Hulk Hogan, who you guys all know, I'm sure. And um, so he was. Um, 
still big in in WWE this time. He eventually moved over to WCW, and it was a big like you know slap on the face kind of thing. Um, and then he when WCW bought uh, got bought out by WWE, he went back. He was in and out of wrestling for a while, and uh, recently got disavowed from. WWE, they removed all his archival footage, basically eliminating like the existence. Even though, what he, yeah, the hoster's uh, been removed. They have wiped him from the face of their organization completely because um, during a lawsuit against Gawker Media, who uh, and I'll get into that in a second, he they leaked some um, audio clips of him saying some racial slurs um, and. Um, <laughs> so like oh it was just God. a I weird the, thing. I thought the hoaxer was all about love and equality. Hey, he's just a I mean, he's just a wrestler. He's just a big dumb, dumb guy, you know, and he got like his black friends to go on Twitter and be like, Oh, you, Hulk's not racist, you know, Dennis Robbins out there going, Oh, Hulk's not racist, you know. Believe us. And I guess it didn't matter, they just removed him anyways. Yeah, there's different shades of racism. Like you you can like say a word that gets tossed around, but I mean look look at all the rappers. That say it. I mean, it doesn't no. make them racist. And I mean, like, it's just like, if it's just a word, fine. But if like it affects like how you treat people or, you know, like, right. what are his actions? Has he acted racist? Like, has he like no, smacked it's a just black guy it's... around in the ring and be like, yeah, that's for like leaving the, the field or like, like, like he didn't, right. he hasn't done that. No, he's not. He's used some language, I'm sure, that was inappropriate yeah. and was recorded without his knowledge and then released, basically. Yeah, language doesn't make you racist. You should be able to talk, you know, however you want and not have your words uh, displayed uh, without your permission or consent. I mean, like, it, it's his actions that define the man, not just, like, casual words that he tosses around. Well, and what's ironic about that is the what what got him into the lawsuit in the first place was he was suing Gawker Media who posted his sex tape online and the sex tape was recorded without his knowledge. Um, he like was having like he basically asked this dude who's like a radio host or the dude, the, the dude was like, hey, you want to have sex with my wife? Wasn't and that Bubba the Love Sponge? Yeah, Bubba the Love Sponge was like, hey, hey Hulk, you want to have sex with my wife? He's like, okay. And then like <laughs> I guess he had he had like a I'll show her my seven inch python. He had a, yeah, he had a, he had a <laughs> record like a recorder in like the corner of the room basically, and he leaked it later to Gawker, or sold it to him or whatever, and they like refused to take it down, even though he's like, hey, this has been recorded by my my consent. I didn't I didn't uh, you know sign a waiver saying you could use this, take it down. And they refused to, so they got into a life lawsuit about it, and part of the lawsuit they. You know, to make besmirch his image, they released those audio clips that they found. Well, so that's the bad news for Hulk. The good news is he won something like four hundred fifty million dollars or something uh, in the lawsuit. He won. Oh, it's pretty hard to shed tears for the Hulkster. Yeah. Um. So, did you find any information about those guys? Oh yeah, the Natural Disasters was a professional wrestling tag team of Earthquake, John Tenta, and Typhoon. Fred Ottoman, who competed in the World Wrestling Federation between 1991 and 1993, and they held the tag team championship on one occasion. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty freaking sad that they <laughs> their debut was one. Time. They were disbanded in 1993. Awesome. 
And as for did they? Oh my gosh, I just saw a name show up. It says uh, after their split in 1993, they began showing signs of dissension, noticeably at the 1993 Royal Rumble. Typhoon was already in the ring when Earthquake entered as number 23, and he immediately went after his tag team partner, focusing <laughs> only on him until Typhoon was eliminated. The disastrous feud never came to fruition as Earthquake never as Earthquake left the WWF early in 1993. Typhoon stayed briefly with the WWF after Earthquake left, but never made anything as a singles competitor. He signed with NCW and made his infamous debut as the Shockmaster. <laughs> oh my god. What the hell was he listening to his buddies describe sex moves and he's just like... I sent you that video, right? <laughs> Do you remember Hold that, that video I sent you? The Shockmaster's debut? No. Oh, it's freaking hilarious. Um... They basically like talk up like, oh, my tag team partner is going to be the Shockmaster. And like the, the <laughs> camera pans to this like wall and it's supposed to be this guy like busting through the drywall. And instead, <laughs> instead this guy like busts through the drywall and then immediately falls on his face. <laughs> and his get up was a, and I shit you not. It was a stormtrooper helmet they had they had sprayed with silver glitter, <laughs> and uh, he was wearing like uh, a like a like a Chewbacca like vest type thing, mm-hmm. and so he had to like get up, put the mask on, and of course like you can't like talk when you have like that mask on. There's no like voice or anything. He doesn't have a mic or anything. So like he's staying there waiting for whoever's off stage, like supposed to be doing his voice for like a good like ten seconds before his voice kicks in. I mean, it's the most it's the worst introduction of a character ever. This is what in happens. That's what happens when you let morons with no technical experience. I mean, this is the WWF. You'd think they could hire some tech guys to be like, okay, listen, this is a show. It's all theater. And part of theater means having good special effects and a decent yeah. production team. Oh, it was bad. Oh, they, <laughs> it was they, so they bad. must have had money. They didn't spend it all on barbells. I mean, they must have spent some of that money on technical. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, but it says it was earthquake, a total screw up. <laughs> earthquake traveled to Japan mm-hmm. in 1993, but made a brief return in 1994 to engage in a sumo versus sumo feud with Yokozuna. Hmm. And in a few months, Earthquake was in the WWF. No mention of the tag team was made. And in 2001, the WWF hosted a reunion of the natural disasters as they were both involved in the gimmick battle royale of WrestleMania X7. Fred hmm. Ottoman wrestled as Tugboat instead of Typhoon. Lovely. Your wrestling name is Tugboat. <laughs> Tugboat. Wow. His name is fucking Tugboat. Oh my gosh. Director Bobby Heenan did allude to their previous alliance. Also, it was Earthquake who wound up eliminating Tugboat. Oh my god, you got that fucking embarrassing name and you couldn't even win with it. Twice it got eliminated by this guy in a real rumble. Uh, December that year, Earthquake wrestled in a tryout dark match at a SmackDown taping but made no appearances. And John Tenta, Earthquake, died from bladder cancer in 2006. Called it. Although, uh... Tugboat's still alive? <laughs> the tugboat tugs on. All right. It's hoping me yet. You, you gotta see his Wikipedia picture. This guy is not only fucking huge, but he's in front of a poster. 
He's in front of a poster that's a G.I. Joe mock-up. Nice. So, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You're going to see his ring names. Big Bubba, Bubba the Belt Collector, U.S. Steel, Big Steel Man, Tugboat Tyler, Tugboat Thomas, Tugboat Typhoon, Shockmaster, (laughs) and then I guess he ate a power mushroom because now he's Super Shockmaster. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> his awesome. debut was 1984 and he those retired all, in 2001 those all sound like porno porno character names <laughs> that sounds like that, if Ron that would be like Ron the Jeremy's super shock nickname. master yeah <laughs> like Ron Jeremy's nickname would be Tugboat mm-hmm. and then John Tenta his ooh he was born in British Columbia so hey there you go the uh, the earthquake is Canadian and his profession, his nicknames was Avalanche, the Canadian Earthquake, Earthquake, Earthquake Evans, the Gargoyle, Golga. I guess he was only the first. I wonder who played the 13th. And John Tenta. So he wrestled as that. And Koto Tenta, sumo. Koto Tenzan, sumo. And the Shark. Hmm. And he was trained by Giant Baba. <laughs> okay. Oh All my right. gosh. There's such a rich history in this. Like, forget like comics. This has a rich mythology and storylines and shit. Yeah, yeah it's, I'm telling you. You know, it's so, like uh, wrestling is it's kind of like a uh, um, soap opera for, for dudes. Oh, and That's it, basically it's just better. It is. <laughs> I, it, they end up recycling a lot of storylines at some point or it gets over the top ridiculous or there's just no payoff. Like you, you, you watch like you know enough pay per views in a row. You're just like, okay, I'm really tired of, of this same thing happening, or the person that should win not winning, etc. Uh, that's kind of why I stopped watching. It was just like the, the the repetition kind of thing that goes in it goes in cycles, and uh, it, it's never. I mean, there are some very few like ultra satisfy, satisfying moments in in storylines, basically. Um, and, um, a lot of it's just like filling for time, you know, to make sure you try and get you to watch like the next pay-per-view and, and, and uh, pay for that. So it seems like all the entertainment of the, uh, macho man, Randy Savage, he, he seemed to be like the, the exception, not the rule. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So we've got, uh, we talked about the Legion of Doom a little bit. Did we? Cause I just looked upon them and they're, uh, they're actually known as the road warriors and Mm -hmm. here's their group. Road Warrior Hawk, Road Warrior Animal, Paul Ellering, the manager, Crush, Draws, Heidenreich, Power Warrior, Sonny as the as a valet, and mm. Christy Hem. And I looked up these girls, and one of them is a uh, American professional wrestling manager, personality, occasional wrestler, and porn actress. Nice. And she is considered the first diva. Oh, okay. From this the 90s. Like a, interesting. She's, she's born in 1972, making her 43. She's five foot four, and her build weight was 118 pounds and trained by some guys. And so she's definitely, uh, well, she fills out that referee shirt, which, of course, uh, is opened, exposing her tits. Because, you know, why actually have actual women wrestling? Nobody wants to see that, apparently. <laughs> there, the, people do actually just watch that. I know, but it's just 
like, of course, these guys, this misogynistic patriarchal bullshit is just like, instead of having the women actually wrestle on their own level, like, no, mm-hmm. let's just like have them dress up as a referee with their tits hanging out. <laughs> and then we got the pornography career. In 1997, Playboy approached uh, Tammy Lynn Sitch, who played Sonny. I remember and, her. Yep. They, t- they approached her for posing. Big old legs. fakies. Oh, yeah. Her, her tits are as real as wrestling. Right. And according to Sitch, Playboy offered her six figures to pose for them. And Rena Sable Marrow, with whom Sitch had real-life animosity, later said Playboy never contacted her for a photo shoot. She did pose nude for Missy Hyatt's adult website, Wrestling Vixens, which she later said she regretted. And then Sitch released a porno film through Vivid called Sunny Side Up, in through the back door. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. And then what the hell was Christy Hem? Uh, 1980, professional wrestling valet, ring announcer, singer, retired professional wrestler, and model. So no porn. And she's gorgeous. She's 35. So she's not used up yet. (laughs) (laughs) And she was part of the Diva Search in 2004. So Sunny was the first, apparently. And she was part of the team of the Road Warriors. Or as I need to call them, the proto-juggalos, because that's exactly what they are. <laughs> they look like rejects from Mad Max. Yeah, they got the their 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 gear that they wear on their entrances looks very reminiscent of uh, Road Warriors. Of, well, I mean, of like Mad Max. Now, now we know where they stole the name. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's where they got it from. All right. So then we've got uh, Sid Justice, who I always knew as Sid Vicious, but that's just from his WCW days. It's probably a, God, this man uh, is a living Nintendo character because he's yeah. completely orange. I mean, uh, I, I've never seen another white guy with a jerry curl going on, but he's got one. And yes, he is orange in, in real life. He is, Trump like, ain't got nothing on this guy. Yeah, he, is, he is the perfect Nintendo character. And mm-hmm. strangely enough... Because they made him on the Super Nintendo instead of the Nintendo, they actually didn't make him as orange. Right. He's less, t- he's less orange. <laughs> less orange in the video game than he is in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's this gold right here. Yeah. All so right. we look at Road Warrior Hawk. Mm-hmm. And uh, his name is Michael Hegstrand. And, of course, born in 1957, died in... Uh, 2003, so at the age of 46. At his death, uh, they said he bought a condominium near their current home. They were packing their boxes the night before. Said he felt hard, went to take a nap. His wife checked up on him, and he had died of a heart attack in his sleep. And then the other road warrior, Animal, uh, still kicking it, and he's 56. And Hmm. I don't see retired in his wrestling career, which means at the age of 56... He is still active because hmm. he is on a, yeah, he's making sporadic appearances uh, in the WWE. Uh, they had SmackDown on Sci-Fi or Siffy as they've spelled it now. It's still yeah. better than syphilis. <laughs> he returned to face Heath Slater in honor of Raw's 1000th episode. He went on to squash Slater. He then reappeared on the 1000th episode of WWE SmackDown in July 23 with other legends to help Lita take down Slater. So hmm. one of them is still alive and kicking it, and the other just died in his sleep. He kicked it, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. 
Um, and we got Ted DiBiase with a great screenshot here called A Meeting of the Minds. <laughs> yeah. He does like a headbutt, I guess. That's his like oh, that's his uh his move. There's no bribing players in this game, so Ted has to try brute strength. A brain crushing headbutt is a good start. <laughs> nice. You know he actually bought Andre the Giant's uh a belt. Did he really? Yeah, I was looking up some of the things Ted DiBiase did, and he bought the damn belt from Andre the Giant in 1988. But, uh, of course, the WWE doesn't recognize this as a title reign. Hmm. So he, I think he, yeah, he bought the belt just so he can literally say he held on to it. Nice. All right. So let's move on here to Super Smash TV. The game I accidentally played. Well, we've, yeah, I want to say we've kind of already covered this game. It's the same thing as the Nintendo one. I don't know why they decided to cover it twice. Uh, the only thing the I, graphics are a shit ton better. I know they're way better, but I mean, it's the same game. The only thing I really like that was interesting about this coverage is on page 95, there is a change. It says, remember Mutoid Man? Well, he's back. This time his upper half takes on the form of the Master of Ceremonies. And so it's got the host of the show <laughs> on tank treads basically is a big giant robot and apparently when you shoot off his arms you shoot off his jacket and his shirt he's wearing a polka dotted wife beater underneath for some reason <laughs> i guess he bought that for a dollar yeah so i didn't have anything else on uh, smash tv here did you uh, no i'm done okay although i well, did like the uh, i'm looking at the uh, the cobra the Cobra fight here, and it mm. looks like a, a Zelda boss, really. A little bit, yeah. All right, so, so next next up, we we've got uh, Nestor's Adventures. Yeah, we got Nestor seeing the mailbox for the Adams family, which says R.I.P. So he takes it to mean, must mean ring in person. Hmm. So uh, I guess he knocks on the door, and Lurch answers the door holding Gomez by the ankles at arm's length. So just to let you know uh, the power behind this man, he goes, Aha, a mysterious stranger. Just when I need to help me find my family. Down, Lurch. And then Lurch just lets, like, lets him go. And then the uh, Nestor says, wow, nice rug. Then it starts taking a bite out of him. And <clears> it starts to swallow Nestor head first. And he goes, I already looked down there. Follow me to the kitchen. And then he goes, I began to suspect the oven when I found one of Wednesday's doll's heads in my omelet this morning. You should stick to toast. So then we get to see uh, Gomez apparently fighting off ants, doing a, a kick, which would have been nice if Gomez could actually do anything besides jump on people like Mario. <laughs> I mean, you think, like, Gomez is famous for his fencing. Like, whenever he, like, he's always practicing fencing with Marticia. Mm -hmm. And even in the, uh, the movie, there's definitely a fencing scene at the end. Mm -hmm. So you think Gomez could have used like a, a rapier to attack people as well as jump on them, but I guess they just decided, no, the kids like Mario, so we'll make go Mario as. Right. We'll just have a different mustache guy that jumps on people. <laughs> so then Nestor says, I feel like a French fry. Lunchtime? So it is. Let's take the shortcut. And then Nestor's uh, on a ledge with an on written on it. And, and uh, Gomez says, don't touch that switch. You'll deactivate the hidden shortcut through this wall. Now, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> and 
And then we get to see Nestor uh, watching Gomez make a sandwich, a, a fish sandwich, literally a fish sandwich. It's even got the ta- it's because it's got a fish with the tackle and lore <laughs> with the lore still in its mouth. Mm. <laughs> That's how fresh Gomez likes his food. So then Nestor says, I lost my appetite. And Gomez kind of looks like Colonel Sanders up close now with this uh, with that with that weird bolo tie going on. It goes, mm-hmm. not to worry, old male. Old male? Yeah, I don't know. That seems weird. Old mate? But that would be like a British term, and Gomez isn't British. He says old male. I don't know why. Not to worry, old male. We'll look for it after lunch. So uh, we only got like one game tip, and it kind of cuts off short as far as I'm concerned, but mm-hmm. that's what it is. And then right. we got uh, the power players. I don't see any names that stick out. Nope. Got some people that beat Battletoads. Yeah, we got one guy that beat Actraiser, and his name is John Sermon. Which I thought was, you know, pretty neat. Like that would be mm-hmm. a, that would be a great biblical wrestler. <laughs> there you go. Instead, instead, he just takes the Bible and he smashes you in the face with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Feel the power of my my palm. I mean, Psalm. The power of Christ compels you to get that face looked at. Bam. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, so players poll contest. Woo! Here's third prize. Uh, you can win one of 50 Nintendo Power jerseys. They call them jerseys again, even though it's clearly a t-shirt. And that's the terrible one with the fake Nintendo Power issue on the back. Uh, second prize, you can win... Uh, ten players can win uh, the Robocop game pack of your choice from Ocean. So either one or two, I'm guessing. And then a Robocop 2 videotape. And then, yeah, it's pretty bad. And then for the uh, grand prize, you can win Robocop's car. That's pretty fucking sweet. It says, imagine yourself behind the wheel of Ford Taurus that Robocop really used to patrol the streets of Detroit. And more. That must be the car from the set. Yeah, it says the car used in the RoboCop 2 movie will be awarded to the winner if he or she is over 18. Uh, if they're... Estimated value is $8,000. The, yeah. the parent has to be there if they're under 18, basically. <clears throat> Void in Canada. So, that's interesting. I kind of want to hear what happened with this. If the, you know... What was in the car, if there was anything interesting about it, or if it was literally just a crappy sticker on the side and they got a shitty Ford Taurus. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks way better than the movie. All right, so up, up next we have Now Playing with George and Rob. Oh, boy. Um, so these are, the again, this is the thumbs up, thumbs down guys that are essentially the Siskel and Ebert. We got some new art this time. They're not doing the thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, and one of them has his head face buried in Nintendo Power. So they give uh, Captain America and the Avengers around a 3.5 on average. Uh, they give a Dance Dungeon Dragons around a 3 on average. They give uh, Hook lower scores, just between around a 2.5 to a 3, looks like. For yeah, there's a game called Gemfire. It rounds oh, yeah, like I missed that one. 4, Gemfire. 3, 3.5. Three not quite sure what it looks like. It looks like a, a British version of Nobunaga's Ambition. Yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, it's from Koei, so there you go. Same company. 
And then we have, uh, let's see here, what they like about um, personal Robert. power meters for Race America. We've got about th- between threes and fours, so around three and a half. And then Thriller Safari gave fairly high scores. Um, they're a little bit divided on this one, though. So it was around 3.5. Yeah, 3, 3.5, 4. Then we've got then, Toxic uh, Crusaders. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we, yeah, I was about to say Toxic Crusaders. And we got 3, 3.5, a 4. So it looks like it scores fairly well. Mm-hmm. And then Wacky Races is up next. We got some threes in here, some three point fives, and some fours, so it looks decent. Did you ever play the Wacky Races game? I don't think I ever did. I watched the show. I never, never played the game though. Yeah, it makes you like. I don't know why of all the people you're playing Muttley. Like that <laughs> seems to be like the only consistent person in every episode, I guess. But you, yeah, you're a consistent villain, not a hero. Yeah, maybe you're thwarting them, you know. Yeah, by completely getting out of your car and attacking bunnies mm-hmm. in a flower garden. It says his job is to help dastardly win the race by finding parts the core for the car. So it doesn't look like you're actually racing in it. It's a platformer where you're just prepping for the race then. Huh. So they got missile com- Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah missile command. Eh, it just shoots. It pars the course. Mm-hmm. Prophecy, The Viking Child, solid threes. And then for the Adams Family, it gets pretty high scores, around 3.5 to 4. All right, and then top 20, top three for NES is Super Mario Bros. 3, Battletoads, and The Legend of Zelda. Legend of Zelda, still hanging on there. Uh, 43 months on the top top 20. Ooh, I'm looking at the, uh, the power ratings mm-hmm. for uh, the Game Boy titles. Turn and burn. Got yeah. Turn and burn didn't break a three except for a theme. Oh, you're looking on the the previous page here. Yeah. Oh and yeah. Then we got uh, prophecy, the Viking child. Well, apparently Rob and George, George and Rob or Siskel and Eber don't know shit because <laughs> the rest of the crew gave it under three. They mm-hmm. couldn't prophecy, the Viking child couldn't break threes. And then we got uh, hook. Which surprisingly low, and uh, like none of those could break threes except for graphics, mm-hmm. which doesn't really matter if the game plays like shit. Okay, so back to the top twenty for Super NES. Number one, we have Super Mario World. Number two, F Zero. Number three, The Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past, which is well, I don't know why it says four months, as I saw it just came out. Shouldn't it be one month? Zero I months? guess like I guess they've had their hands on it for four months. Yeah, well, those bastards uh, didn't share with the rest of the world until later. No, um, I, and then yeah, Zelda will topple Mario World because I'm pretty sure I saw it taking the top spot for a while. In, yeah, that's in my childhood. That is a misprint to say four months though on there. Okay, for Game Boy, number one, Metroid Two, number two, Super Mario Land, number three, Battletoads. So Metroid Two has taken the top spot, finally displacing. Uh, Super Mario Land for the first time. Uh, this is the f- first time a game has toppled Super Mario Land. Yeah. And now I got the players' picks with a bunch of kids sending in their favorite NES games. And I'm looking at Matthew Collins, who who survived the bowl cut his parents gave him. Yep. He later starred in a movie called Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> and then we got uh, poor Tim Adams. I don't know. Like They really should have like waited until he was finished blinking. Or whatever, because he, he, like the background they gave him, 
it looks like he's like about to about to go into one of those epileptic seizures we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like he's just at that stage where his bot where his brain is getting primed to to start kicking off. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got uh, Nick Bolin, who <laughs> John would love this kid. His top game is scat. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And uh, his name. And the, his selection rounds out with Dr. Mario and Die Hard. Nice. And we got Steve Gentry, who's got a black hair and a black background, so you never quite know where he ends or begins. Mm. And we got Marble Madness, Battletoads. That seems to be taking off in uh, in a lot. Yeah, because we got Matthew Collins. We got Bull Cut. His favorite game is Battletoads. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Steve Epilepsy Gentry is... Looking at Battletoads for his third game, and then Joe Harrison, uh, also top game Battletoads. So mm-hmm. you know it's taken uh, it's taken out quite a bit. Anyone else here stand up besides Pat Jackson, who looks like uh, <laughs> who looks like a, a narcoleptic Harry Potter? <laughs> That's a perfect description of him, actually. That's pretty good. No, I got nothing else. Um, take five, Super NES sports game. Players picks for April 1992. Number one, Super Off-Road. Yeah. Number two, Super Base is loaded. Number three, Nolan Ryan's baseball. Number four, Bill Zane Beers combat base basketball. And number five, Hal's hole-in-one golf. And the next up, we have the celebrity profile for Edward Furlong. <laughs> Edward not impressed Furlong. Right. So they have an interview here. With the 14-year-old uh, California kid uh, talking about uh, playing Nintendo games and uh, his part in Terminator 2. So there's nothing terribly interesting about here in, in the interest in the uh, um, in the interview here. Did you get anything? Well, he says like, when, uh, who do you play Nintendo games with? I play Nintendo games with my friends, my aunt and uncle, with whom I live, or by myself. My uncle's addicted to playing, and we sometimes fight over who gets to be player one. <laughs> and it says, why do you like to play Nintendo games? They're fun and adventurous. I love the graphics and the action. You can lose yourself, which makes playing games relaxing and exciting at the same time. And then they ask, what was it like making T2? Arnold and Linda were great to work with. It was hard work, but a lot of fun. Arnold and I used to play Game Boy on the set. Even though I never acted before, everyone made the experience fun and easy for me. Even though I only thought about being an actor, I never expected it to happen. Only after T2 was released did I take it seriously. Now I want to be an actor always. Hmm. So, is is he? He was in one of the movie I can remember, Detroit Rock City, where like a bunch of friends basically go on a road trip to try and see the band Kiss in Detroit. And all I remember is Edward Furlong has this scene where he gets totally like wasted in a strip club and ends up like throwing up all over like the actual like uh, platform stage. <laughs> it's quite it's quite an impressive scene, actually. But that's the only movie I ever remember him doing after this. And that was from the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I'm looking at his Wikipedia. His last significant role was Detroit Rock City. There you go. And the crime drama. Animal Factory. Hmm. His career subsequently declined due to multiple arrests and court cases and chronic substance abuse and alcoholism. Shocking. He played the title character in the direct-to-video horror film The Crow, Wicked Prayer. Oh, God. That has to be awful. He played The Crow. Oh, my gosh. In 2011, he played a supporting role in The Green Hornet. (laughs) 
So let's just find out what these abuses are, what these uh, abuse problems are. He's battled mm-hmm. alcoholism and drug addiction. He went into rehab in 2000. In 2006, he said he was on and off hard drugs, stating, I was a heroin and cocaine addict. It was really scary. I don't even think about partying anymore. It just seems lonely now, running and clubbing and doing coke. I have nightmares about doing hard g- drugs. I'll wake up and like, did I relapse? And then in 2010, he was placed on three years probation for violating a civil protective order obtained by Rachel Neeland. In 2013, he was sentenced to 180 days in jail for probation after, for a violation of probation after he used force against his ex-girlfriend, Monica Kena, and for violation of a protective order. Oh my gosh, this guy does not viol- this guy does not respect restraining orders. He was arrested in May of 2013 and avoided a jail sentence after agreeing to go to rehab for 90 days. So it looks like his nightmare came true and he did relapse. And to undergo 52 weeks of domestic violence counseling, he had already served 61 days in jail. Oh my god. Motherfucker, this guy's a wreck. Yeah. Ooh, apparently in 2015 he was in a film Star Trek Renegades. What the Was that a fan film? Yeah, it was a fan film. Oh my gosh, he was in a fan film. It was complete. It was the completed pilot was released for public viewing via YouTube beginning August 2015. Plans have been announced for a renegade web series, so he may be able to redeem himself by just being in this series. It says that, oh my gosh, they got some actual actors in this besides him. Tim Russ as Tuvok. They got Tuvok in here. I have no idea who that is, to be honest with you. From Star Trek Voyager. Never never the, saw it. The, the Black Vulcan. Never watched Voyager. Oh my gosh, they even had Walter Koenig as Admiral Pavel Chekhov. Hmm. So, this, oh my gosh, this is amazing. They made a moot, like an actual, ser- a fan film series thing. And they want mm-hmm. to they want to make it into a series. Wow, this is something. Like this could save Eddie Furlong if he just like stops taking drugs and beating up women. Mm. Well, that remains to be seen. But let's take a look into the future. A future into the local games. Packwatch. Speaking, we have Street Fighter Two coming. Speaking up. of speaking of beating up women. Yeah, got a Chun Li is in three of these uh, screenshots here. Um, one of them she's getting kicked in the face by Guile. So, we all kind of know Street Fighter 2. Not going to go over it at all, pretty much. Uh, Team NT4, Turtles in Time, is coming up. Oh, this um, is... It's got to be, like, my favorite NES Turtles game. I mean, this is uh, great... Super NES, I think, right? Super NES, yeah. Yeah, yeah my favorite Turtles game, period. You get to yeah, see it's, it's one of the best, for sure. Yeah, Krang and his mongoloid baby robot body. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, Ultrabots Sanction Earth. And this is a weird-ass looking game. Um, so they've got three screenshots here. One of them looks like it's from a NES. And the other two looks like they're from uh, Reboot, um, <laughs> the uh, 3D show. And uh, it looks like they must have started it on NES and then decided to port it over to the Super NES and update the graphics so they're much better because that screenshot on the bottom left there is awful. Um, I'm trying to figure out. It's a Robotech simulator. 
The basic idea around the game is that alien robots have invaded Earth, and the only hope for humanity is to capture and refit the massive metal stompers so they can fight Robo a Robo. Hmm. Uh, you can operate a fire team of up to six Ultra Bots in a given sector. You can switch from one bot to the other for direct control. So I don't know if this game's ever made. I'd be interested. From uh, Data East. And it says you'll have units spread all over the planet. So while you're slicing up the competition in North America, you may have a strategic ambush set up in Africa. This game seems way too ambitious. Yeah, I don't think it was ever made. Uh, then we've got Top Gear from Camco, which has some great soundtracks from what I remember. Uh, then we have Pebble Beach Golf Links Wings 2, which is... Ooh, uh, it was released. Oh, yeah? Yep. Ultra well, then. Ultrabox well, was released in 1993, only on the PC though. Yeah, realized the uh, they realized the Super Nintendo couldn't quite keep up with it. Hmm. But uh, looking at the reception, Computer Gaming World called Ultrabots a novel and worthwhile experience. Hmm. I guess it wasn't too worthwhile since it wasn't a sequel. So we have Wings 2, which is uh, looks like a. Uh, a dogfighting game with old uh, World War Two or World War One um, planes. Then we have Might and Magic, and which looks like a uh, Dragon Warrior. A little bit it looks like a three-dimensional Dragon Warrior game kind of thing. Then we have Robocop Three, and it's a side-scrolling NES game. Looks like with Robocop apparently taking the Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. We have Batman Return of the Joker for Game Boy. <laughs> Which is probably uh, what Robocop calls his toilet. <laughs> then we have the uh, 4-in-1 Fun Pack as well, which is a set of four different uh, games in one. And uh, that looks to be about it. Coming up in the next issue, we're covering Darkwing Duck for well, the you NES. Japan, you forgot Japan Watch, where we get to see Sim Earth. Hmm. Did you ever yep. play Sim Earth? No, I didn't. Nope. Anyway. And yeah, we get to see Darkwing Duck for I mean, like look at those look at those screenshots. Those are some prime shots. Yeah, for the for a late stage NES game, it's pretty. Um so that's Darkwing Duck. And for the Game Boy, they have Batman Return of the Joker. And for Super Nintendo, we have Contra 3 coming out, as well as your favorite, Super Adventure Island. Because <laughs> we needed more Master Higgins. And this time in sixteen bits, he got he got that extra gene removed, so now he's like, so now he's fine. That extra, <laughs> yeah. cro that extra chromosome Aww. has been taken out. <laughs> That's too bad. All right, um, I'll I'll uh, wrap us up here. Uh, please do us a favor and uh, go on iTunes and get write us a review. It really help us get up in the ratings. If you'd like to reach out to us on uh, Facebook, please find us. Look for Playing with Power podcast. That's the best way to get a hold of us. Or you can reach out to uh, Mike on Twitter at GetThePower88. If you'd like to send us a few bucks and support the show, please go to Patreon.com slash PlayingWithPower. Yeah, and we want to thank uh, our recent donors, Brandon Boswell and simply Ivan. Don't know who he is. He's uh, donated to two, like another podcast, but I don't have a name on the man. So, you know, if you want to introduce yourself, Ivan, talk to reach, us, reach out to us on the Facebook or send... A message through the Patreon. I'd like to thank you and, uh, you know, just thank you for your support. Also, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, new listeners from Malta and China. So, welcome to our family. 
and, and hopefully, and hopefully, the one listener will be gaining very soon from the island of Timor Leste. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, he has a wife, right? So there's got to be at least two. There you go. Well, we don't know if she's cool or not. Ah, that's true. All right, uh, I'll go ahead and wrap us up. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. I'm Ben. I'm Mike. And now you're playing with power. Well, thank you for enjoying another episode of Playing With Power podcast. Uh, it's John here with Mike, and we wanted to uh, appreciate the, uh, you going back on this retrospective journey through the retrospective podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the retro rabbit hole. The retro, yeah. How retro can we go? We get some retro, retro episodes here. Retro inception. Yeah. Um, so Mike, just, just, just make, just make sure the top stops, and then you'll know you're, you'll, fi- then you'll know you're finally out. <laughs> you wanted to talk about a few things, Mike. Well, uh, you know, these are uh, some of the old episodes, so we probably didn't get to talk about the Patreon. So, just a reminder, we have a Patreon. So if you want to support the show in any way, uh, either by uh, financially pushing your way into creative control and dominating the show, which we're uh, we're not we're fine with, like we do have a price, <laughs> and it's it's a very low price. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. So get in while the getting's good. Otherwise, if we start making enough money, we start we might start developing standards. <laughs> Don't, I wouldn't hold your breath. But no, but seriously, uh, it, it, it is uh, if you if you want to go to uh, what is it patreon.com backslash playing with power. Yeah, patreon.com slash playing with power. And uh, yeah, any money, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm well aware uh, it's you know, you don't have a lot of spare money. So anything that you can contribute is much appreciated. Not expected. Yeah, you're probably donate. You're probably donating as much money as possible to the ACLU just to get some someone impeached. <laughs> Not saying who, <laughs> but you know, if you got a spare nickel or two, you can send it our way and just to just to keep the laughs going. Well, and it's always appreciated. Whatever you can, and even if you can't, and you're just you're yeah. just on the ride with us and enjoying, hey, then please rate, review us, right. tell people about the show. Like, hey. Word of mouth is free. Scream it so, from the you know from the rooftops. So go to go to arcades and plug it into people's phones. We'll start message me for a playing with power T-shirt, and you don't have to say anything. Just walk around and advertise the show for let's, us. Let's uh, let's start a guerrilla movement here. Let's get this uh, let's get this off the ground. Um, and uh, the second the second guerrilla, the post Harambe movement. <laughs> yeah, this guerrilla won't get shot. Hopefully. Um, and. So, uh, also, if you have any suggestions of favorite episodes of yourselves, like uh, if you want to go to the Facebook group, it's all, we always—that's probably the best way to get in touch with us. Honestly, this is the Facebook group. Facebook uh, search "Playing with Power" uh, podcast. You can post it on the page or message us directly. Mm. Either way, yeah, we're, we check that thing religiously. Right. So we might we might use that for some suggestions in the future. And. Uh, Anything, uh, right? Yeah, like like Mike said, rate review on iTunes. Uh, it helps move us up the charts. Um, also, yeah, we're, we're Twitter. Get the power eighty eight. There's a lot of people that just don't understand how podcasts work. That they're free. So, 
if you have a coworker that you know is into video games, or you know you can suggest us, or even if you don't suggest us and get them on podcasting in general, that's helpful because uh, apparently only about twenty percent of the population uh, even passively listens to podcasts. So if we can get uh, the spread of podcasts uh, a little bit more prevalent, um, it'll it'll help. Uh, the medium in if general. You, if you can get that 20% of the population listening to us. <laughs> oh my God. Then you've, then you've done your job. That'd be creepy. <laughs> let's just shoot, let's just shoot for like 20% of people that like old Nintendo magazines. <laughs> and we'll go from there. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, it is always. Wait a second. Our, our download stats have increased by about 25,000. <laughs> yeah, right. 20% of the population. That would be millions and millions, but. Um, we'd probably get some letters from Podbean about uh, having to cough up a few more shekels for the hosting. But <laughs> that happened at my well, work. That transla- by the way, like if that translates to the Patreon, then we can just say, "Fine, do you want it in fifties or hundreds?" My work, we paid for like file sharing for like files that we use for um, some uh, our clients. And like, I guess they did an audit of the site because we paid like eighty bucks a couple years ago for the service. And like, they're they want like a thousand bucks a year from us now because we're like such heavy users. <laughs> and we're like, oh, the bastards! Internet is the internet. Yeah. Um, well, they, it's a, it's a little complicated. It, eighty bu- eighty bucks like a couple years ago isn't fair, but a thousand dollars a year isn't fair either. Like it should be somewhere in between. But uh, you know, it's not my decision, so whatever. But anyhow. Uh, Thank you again for joining us on our retro review of our retro podcast. Um, uh, like we said, reach out to us on Facebook, uh, Patreon, uh, maybe put on Facebook a couple of your favorite episodes. Any- reach out and pay us. <laughs> or not. Whatever. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, or, 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 or definitely yes. <laughs> I mean, don't don't let them think that's don't let them think that no is an option. <laughs> pay Mike at least, so maybe he'll shut up. But you know he won't. So if you pay Mike, he'll just keep being Mike. So look, if if look, I'll talk. But if I have enough money to get out of my parents' house and like live on my own, at least I'll be saying happy things rather than sad, depressing, wrist-slitting things. <laughs> Help Mike, not David Carradine himself. All right. <laughs> Anyway, people, uh, thank you again for for joining us, and I hope you liked uh, our retrospective episode. And uh, you want to take us on out, Mike? Thanks for uh, listening, and you've been playing with power. Wow.